we were working together and Ken said, sent me an email and said, hey, you're in Europe right now? He's like, I'm at Colin McRae's house. Why don't you guys come by? I like that Europe is treated like L.A. Yeah. Like you're in town. And yeah. like, Actually, I'm in a different country yeah. that's two countries away. Yeah. <laughs> but realize, like, at this point in my life, like, I just figured that, like, my driver's license in other countries didn't matter. Yeah. So I was like, well, if we do 140, <laughs> yeah, we could be there in nine hours. <laughs> you know, you, like, do the math. And we, like, drove to, like, Holland, got on a ferry, took a ferry to Scotland, got to Customs. And we're sitting there in a car that, like, we have no real paperwork for, and it's in German. And these, like, Scottish dudes are like, what are you here for? And I'm like, I'm going to Colin McRae's. And they thought I was like, like, I mean, that's like coming it's to, like, you, yeah. you know, to the U.S. in, like, the <laughs> 90s. House. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I'm going yeah. to see Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Or you're right. like, I think it's even bigger than that. It's like coming to here in the 90s and saying you're, like, going to Michael Jordan. You're going yeah. to visit Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. Like, that was the level of it. And they just had this huge laugh. And I, like, had to, like, I was like, no, no, like, seriously. Like, I'm going to, like, and I keep explaining it. And, they, and I show them the email. And they're like. All right, come on in. They didn't even like stamp the car, nothing. They just like let us into the country. The Scots are pretty cool. Yeah, they They're were fucking it was, chill. They don't really yeah. give a lot of fucks as over there. As long as you're not British and showing up with muskets or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty good about that. So, what's up, folks? Today's episode of the Smoking Tire Podcast is brought to you by Blackview Dash Cams and their all new DR770X Box Dash Cam. It's the choice for drivers and fleet owners looking for maximum stealth and security. It's designed with not one, not two, but three cameras and a lock-protected recording unit. The Blackview DR770X box dash cam provides great video, night and day, inside and out. This dash cam features front, interior, and rear cameras that connect to a lock-protected box recording unit, which can be easily hidden in the glove compartment or under a seat. Thanks to the full HD Sony Starvis image sensors and all three of the cameras, you can rest assured you're getting the best video quality under any light, and the interior camera can record even in pitch black with infrared LEDs. The main unit's key-operated locking mechanism protects the micro SD card as well as the cable connectors, and all three cameras are designed for stealth, so they include their own locking mechanism to restrict the rotation of the cameras and prevent unauthorized persons from unplugging the video cables. The DR770X box models come with a new wireless button that allows users to trigger event recordings manually, and it's available in two variants, the standard DR770X box with the regular rear camera and the DR770X box truck, including the external waterproof infrared camera. Blackview's DR770X box series dash cams are perfect solutions for individual drivers such as taxi or rideshare and fleet owners. It's all in one. So go to Blackview, B-L-A-C-K-V-U-E dot com slash T-S-T to learn more about the Blackview DR770X box dash cams and use promo code TIRE to get 10% off any Blackview dash cam or parking mode accessory with free shipping for orders over $200. That's blackview.com slash TST and use code TIRE for 10% off any Blackview dash cam or accessory with free shipping for orders over 200 bucks. Also brought to you today by Off The Record. Listen, if you get pulled over and ticketed, do not plead guilty. It is not 
That ticket was not issued to you for safety. It was issued to collect money and enter you in a financial ecosystem that you want no part of. It's not just the police. It's the courts. It's the insurance. It's everything. Fight that ticket with Off the Record. All you have to do is go to offtherecord.com slash TST or download the Off the Record app for iOS and Android and use code TST10. That'll get you 10% off all legal services with Off the Record. Then, once you have your account made, all you do is snap a picture of that, of that ticket or scan it on your computer, upload it to Off the Record, and they will connect you with a qualified attorney who will fight that ticket in the jurisdiction it was issued in. Off the Record covers 97% of drivers in the U.S. There are only a few places they can't cover, and they have an amazing success rate. If they don't get those points off your record, you don't pay. They are the best. I get letters all the time from people who use off the record. They love it. My staff here at the shop has used it. They love it. It's fantastic. Don't plead guilty. Offtherecord.com slash TST or code TST10 on the Off the Record app. All right, folks, on this episode of the show. Uh, Hoonigan creative director and co-founder Brian Scotto is here. I have not seen him in person since uh, the tragic death of Ken Block in January of this year. Uh, we talk about the past, present, and future of Hoonigan. Uh, we talk about Ken's uh, work ethic, his life, his legacy. We talk about broken, stupid old Audis. Uh, we talk about the process of making videos that get 70 million views and a whole lot of other random shit. It's Hoonigan's Brian Scotto on today's Smoking Tire podcast. <laughs> no, and like it's, you know, my mom's a scientist. Both of my parents are scientists. And uh, my mom has to like speak in front of Congress all the time to like explain like how things. Oh, see, I, see? I, I know. Early, early you got to make your point. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it's all I'm right. Also, uh, do this. Do no, but I'm also Italian. So like oh, I, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. I clap, I talk, I, there's all this like this will be over there by the end of the show. Okay. Up in the air. Is yeah, fine. yeah, a lot of fucking this. It'll but, look great on Instagram on mute. So, um, but my mom like gets furious because like she has to go talk to Congress on like laws around medicine and science, and it's like she's like they do not understand. Yeah, and they don't have a basic understanding of science. I can't even explain to them the level at which like we are working at. Yeah, and then they're saying they're just making laws based on random shit. Yeah, you know what so, lobbyists tell them yeah. they need. Yeah, pretty so much. What kind of scientists are your parents? Uh, my mom. Well, my dad's retired now, but my dad was a biochemist oh. and worked heavily in. Um, blood stuff but also heavily in like contagious diseases oh. so my dad was like it's a good person to have around for yeah well the my dad called years. me uh january like fourth and was like hey, of 2020 listen. yeah and was like listen there's this thing going on in china are you aware of it i'm like i kind of heard it like on a podcast like what's going on he's like listen right now it looks okay get some masks and toilet he, paper he was like it looks okay <laughs> he didn't you know what he didn't see the toilet paper coming but he looked at it and said you know all right well uh you know like, it looks okay right now. A week later calls me and says, all right, first asymptomatic patient has, ha has like, you know, been found. I need you to get three to six months of dry supplies. No ammunition. way. Like, literally, it was like, things are going to hit the fan. No like, way. this is bad. I was like, oh, okay. And, like, I go home and try to explain to Ashley that night, like, why I'm buying, like, <laughs> you know, 27 boxes of wheat thins. <laughs> and, and lots of Pfizer stock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, no, then this was in January. Yeah, so, yeah, like, it was, it was actually interesting before. because for Hoonigan, when 
when it actually all came about, like I was already like I was the one running around the building like fear mongering, like no guys, this, we're gonna have a like a, a shelter in place. People were like, what's a shelter in place? I'm like, I don't know. My dad said there's gonna be a shelter in place, and like this dude's really not wrong, and like yeah. never is an alarmist. I was like, so we should probably worry about this. So we had already like built out the and he live. He was right. Wow. Yeah, but well, we built out the live stream concept. We were already ready for it. So wow. like when March 16th came, like we just turned on. The live wow. stream the next day because we kind of like you don't like text me. You, <laughs> you do okay. a podcast, bro. You literally were built for the pandemic. Yeah, no, you we had all we were we were we were in uh, we were advantageous for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. we so. had never done a, like a Zoom before that. Oh, we had yeah, actually yeah, yeah. we had to figure out how to do yeah. remote shows. Well, we did the whole know, live stream over Zoom. Yeah, the whole thing we just figured out and like we just built a face that you didn't realize we were on Zoom. We just put yeah. like a screen in front of it. We, we were like a boat manufacturer and you were Noah and you're like I'm to build this boat thing and we're like oh we already got that we got you guys like we, we got, got boats all, we got yeah, boats we got yeah. Of yeah. no we so. had like a month of panic and then we were okay yeah no, i mean it was there it was, was still a lot of fun you know panic. it was terrible but like yeah, yeah. in terms of in just the end, it worked narrowly out. defined as our career yeah, 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 yeah. it was a month yeah. of panic yeah, i'm happy i was in the event business then oh but. dude yeah yeah so but anyway uh i don't know where that was going but yeah but my, and my mom's a molecular the belief in in the nuance of science yeah and my mom's a molecular biologist and uh she's worked mostly in cancer research and is mostly worked around like things like lymphoma Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, she's actually part of the research that found the cor- the cure for Hodgkin's and oh wow like that. wow so that's it, crazy yeah now she's vice chancellor of research at Rutgers University oh yeah. wow yeah so they were super disappointed in me when I told them I was going to become a car journalist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep they were like wow my dad literally when I told him I was dropping out of engineering because I went to school originally for mechanical engineering and I was going to you know chase journalism he looked at me like I might as well. He's like, you know, you might as well just like basket weaving. Like at that point, it was yeah. just like you're not going to be in academia. Uh, and then you're like, Dad, I have 37 cars now. Yeah, I don't know if that's the part he's proud of, but I remember the first time I drove a Rolls Royce press car to yeah. the house was like, that usually will oh, do it. All right, this yeah. is kind of cool. cool. Like yeah. this is cool. Yeah. Has your dad so. ever been around you when you were approached by fans? Yes, actually, that a, one will do a, it. Hold too. on, hold on. Not only was he there, but it serviced us. So my parents and we flew. It was my dad's seventieth birthday. We went to um, Montana to like uh, Bozeman. Big, yeah, we yeah, so went to Bozeman. Got like this nice like house there and everything. And we flew in like an hour earlier than my dad did. And you know my parents get in. And, like I meet them at the gate. My dad's like, "Well, did, why didn't you get online? Like you don't have the the rental car. Like why didn't you get online for the rental car?" And I was like, "Oh well, I you know I just was." fucking around on my phone <laughs> and he's like super pissed and we get there and the line is like a hundred people deep and I'm like I'm not it was not expecting this in yeah, Bozeman. Bozeman. and he's just looking at me like just more disappointment more yeah. disappointment in you and all of a sudden the guy from like out from the counter comes walking up and says Hey, Mr. Scotto, there's a special line for people like you. No And way. literally yeah. just pulls us out of the back of the line, gets us a car, Hell and moves yeah. us to the front. And my dad was like, 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 do you have like some, is it like a frequent flyer thing? I'm like, like no. It's time for you to be proud of me now. Yeah. I was like, no, it's the, it's the internet, dad. My this is how the has added works. value to yeah. your life. And that was the moment where he was like, this is awesome. Like, he loved, my mom, on the other hand, loves it. My mom will be like. That's funny. You know, my mom will just be like, I'm his mom. Yeah, I'm his yeah. mom. Like, 26 hours of labor created that you know like she likes that but yeah no. that's Have really really funny while you were directing or doing any you're like you know high level creative stuff? no no I, I keep meaning to bring them 
out for something like that. But uh, they, no, they haven't been for that. But I mean, I, you, they got to watch the Jim Connor files, oh, yeah. so I think they. Yeah, yeah, that's like, a good BT. At this point, you know, it's like 15 years later. But like in the early magazine days, my parents were like, "You make how much a year? Like, yeah. why are you doing this? Like, you know, you could just go live in Section 8 housing yeah. and be better off than you are working in the magazine." <laughs> well, you business. started with a magazine, which like at least they could understand like the concept of a magazine. Right. When I went straight from a brick and mortar business to YouTube, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like five years before they had any idea what that was. They didn't understand yeah. that concept at all. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. But now, no, I mean, they're like, you know, I'm now like the uh, the hero of the family, which was great because I, I had my like, because the rest of my family is like academia. My uncle, my uncle, who was the original black sheep, like started like a tech company in the bedroom oh, nice. and like, you know, was a millionaire by in like his early 20s. But sure. Everybody else in the family was like first generation college uh-huh. and we're like, oh, and we're going like to go to college and we're going to be the superstar. best at it, you know? So it was like, you know, I'm one generation removed from people working in a warehouse and my parents are like, oh, back to the warehouse already. That didn't work out well. You know? <laughs> now you still so, work in a warehouse. This I know. Your I still warehouse. Do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a very so, dope warehouse. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. still a warehouse. Yeah. So, yeah. That's fucking, but, that's wild. That's great. Yeah. It's good so. to do the different thing and then also be, you know, perform at that high of a level. Yeah, and that's... Like, I've fun. always thought, like, that if you wanted to make the kind of living that, like, a lawyer made or a doctor, but at the fun thing, that you had to actually work subtly harder than the lawyer or the doctor. Oh, yeah, that's for true? sure. I, I have this whole theory that, um, like, if you want to drive an F40 in your life... You should become an automotive journalist. <laughs> yeah. If you want to own an F40, you should get into the shit business, like porta potties, like waste management, like anything that requires like dealing with stuff other people don't. Yeah. That's how you can afford cars like that. Right. You will never get to afford that car working in the automotive industry. You might be able to touch one, you might be able to drive one, but everyone I know who owns them, you're like, what do you do? You're like, uh, fences and porta potties, <laughs> yeah. logistics. Yeah. You're like, yeah. you you have just a job that does not seem like the job itself. Yeah is worthwhile so you spend your money on the things that you know make it meaningful yeah. where we found a job that was meaningful and at the end of the day it's like it's not enough to go buy an f40 that's so, but it's yeah. been enough to buy a bunch of really cool shit so i can't complain yeah yeah although you you do get to buy some cool shit yeah, 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 yeah. and you get uh you do get uh access to the cool shit that other people yeah. don't necessarily know about yeah and but pr- I worked. Like I worked in an eighty-hour week to avoid a forty-hour yeah. work week, like one hundred. <laughs> an eighty-hour week in a hoodie to yeah. avoid a forty-hour week in a, in a, in a suit. A suit. I yeah. know. Yeah. And, and I'll do anything to not have to wear a suit to work. Like literally anything. I know. I know. It's. I understand it. But like, here That's we are. Math: sixteen hours in a t-shirt versus eight hours in a suit. Yeah. yeah. It's t- it's got to be two to one to yeah, not have to fucking easily, wear the easily. We're, yeah. all think, we're all thinking, no, yeah. we totally won. Yeah, you got to work an eighty-hour workday to show up at your office at ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, you still stay till ten. Yeah, but if you like, want to show but up, but I didn't 10, have to show up at seven, so it's worth staying till ten p.m. tonight. That all car, makes sense. Car guy math. Yeah, Absolutely. car guy math totally works Creative out. Yeah, math. same the reason I own twenty-three cars. That's seven of them run. So. Do you have 23? Or mm-hmm. did you just come up with that number as a goof? No, it's 23 right Is now. Is it really? Yeah. Fuck. But me. I don't own anything cool. You own cool shit. I mean, I have a couple cool things, but I own a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, I have a few weird ones too, but like 23 is just like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like unrestrained purchasing. Pretty much. Oh yeah, it, I'm definitely <laughs> filling a void inside. This is just a. The other day on you camera, like multiples I, of the same thing. Yeah, like. the other day on camera, I referred to my cart 
cane habit as like a mental health problem. I was like, I think I'm now at the point where like I just realized that this is like a mental health issue. So, you know. But. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. That Ferrari 360 looks kind of interesting. Yeah. Are you into it? Does it work? Uh, it works. It runs. Have you, and drives. you ever I, driven it? Did you I, forget you owned I heard it, until it run, right now? I heard it run today because someone had to move it out of the shop. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, I love the car, but it's like oddly not me. I don't because know. it's a Ferrari. I, I don't want to say it's like the Ferrari thing. It's it's definitely flashy. I. It's one of those weird cars to own in L.A. Because like yeah. to get anywhere, especially where I am in Long Beach, to go actually have fun with it, like I have to sit in an hour of traffic. Yeah, and it has the F one system in it, uh-huh. which is like fine in the canyons, but is a nightmare in traffic, in traffic which yeah. is the opposite of what an automatic is supposed to be. Right, <laughs> an automatic supposed to be like, oh, this makes it easier. Yeah, well, an automated manual. But instead, it's like a nightmare to drive in traffic because it's just like chunks and lugs along. Sure. But once it's out, you know, and you're out, you're driving. It's great. I don't know. I. I don't know. I, I, I don't I, think I, this one's going to last. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to last. And like, but I still love it. But I, I don't know. I need to put more miles on it and drive it. So I don't, I definitely don't like it car. more than my 911. Well, no, that car's the best. Yeah, but like, this car's supposed to be a better car than a 964. But I don't know. Oh, who said that? Like, Chubba Chetta yeah. in 1997? <laughs> I love like, that reference. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, that, by the way, are we in the show now? Because you said yes. Patreon, but like, we're in the show. We just, yeah, yeah. It's just smooth like It's that. just that only the uh, the patr- patrons get the live stream. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Everybody else gets to wait. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, I like your Audi problem. You have a big Audi problem. That's yeah. fun. Why is why is it? Does it just go back to those fucking days in uh, in New York and Waterfest and all that kind of stuff? It's definitely there... a Volkswagen kid thing mm-hmm. for sure. Um, the, it's interesting because you know I I got into cars. Actually, the first car, the first car I really really wanted as a child when I like shifted from um, RC cars and BMX bikes. I was very much like I had to. I couldn't dream about something that was five years out. Like I wasn't uh. one of those people. So like growing up as a kid, I remember. You know, friends would be like reading Mustang magazines when they were like 13. I was like, I can't buy a car when I'm 13. So, like, I don't care. Like, I care about RC cars now because I can get them. Sure. And I care about BMX bikes, right? Like, that was it. So, when I was about to get my driver's license, at first I really wanted um, a Suzuki Samurai because uh-huh. they were super hood hot yeah. in New York at the time. That was like the, Dude, the I just hood went Jeep. to Catalina for the day with my wife. I hadn't been in 10 years. Yeah. Probably the best collection of Suzuki Samurais I've seen in fucking two decades. Okay, I'm going to... I haven't been to Catalina. Go for the Samurais. But, but I will tell you another location. <laughs> Stay for the Buffalo. Yeah. I will tell you another location that is completely unexpected. Fallbrook. Like, you know... Like... Like, in, in between Temecula and Oceanside. Uh-huh. Like, a- Ashley and I just bought some property there and a house over there. Oh, congratulations. I have never seen so many Suzuki Samurais. Really? Th- as I've like seen Like dope there. ones? Or yeah, just, like really? nice. Like everybody has a cool samurai there. It's and so weird. And there's like three or four samurai-specific shops in town. No Whoa. way. Is there an off-road yeah. park nearby? Not really. I mean, maybe I don't know about, but yeah. What type of folks do you see driving them? Um, so like young Hispanic people, or is it like you know? I haven't really looked. It just like I've seen, like I've seen a couple on the road, and I've seen just tons of them parked throughout. How interesting! Yeah. Are there a lot of orchards or agriculture over there? It's like, uh, are they av- used for it's, that? it is the avocado capital of America. Okay, now I know where yeah, that is. so it's yeah. like the big avocado spot, and yeah. um, there's it's mostly farm and like. So we actually bought a and we bought an orchard without knowing. I was like, yeah, I want some space so I can like. 
park more cars <laughs> <laughs> and like get away. And it's only yeah. an hour and a half from Long Beach, so like it's yeah. not a bad trip. And it's also really, really good roads around there, but like not really heavily trafficked. So I was like, oh yeah, this like is like kind of the perfect place. And we bought this place. And now you have to get a yeah. And then all of a sudden, someone's like, you know, you have like forty avocado trees and like fifty citrus trees. Like this is a grove. Oh, sick. That's so rad. like I own a farm now, but I didn't realize I bought a farm. So. This is we bought a farm too. The yeah. Audi project. You got yeah, pretty much. All, this will be my version too. of like you grow the, some grapes. I actually have vines because I have passion fruit, which apparently I knew none of this like two weeks ago. But apparently, passion fruit's like the big like cash crop right now, like in the fruit business. Like it's more expensive than avocados. Huh. So I've got like that on the property. I knew none of this, and the people who sold me the property knew none of this because it was their dad's house, and their dad died. Who? So these trees are like mature, living. Oh, like, they're yeah. ready to go. Like there's like I have got fruit throughout the whole did property you fucking right now. Go there, or did you just like no, I went to the screen and I, go to that one? <laughs> no, like, like, <laughs> I guess what it is, I just didn't realize. Like I'm like, oh yeah, I guess we got lemon trees on the property that's cool like whatever and then i started talking to people and they're like yeah that like you have a farm you can make money off of <laughs> there's cool. a diamond mine you yeah. didn't know about yeah so just... i'm gonna i'm gonna just like rip off like top gear once yeah, again and just do, the, do do scotto's farm which will <laughs> like you know i'll just make it more interesting because i'll have like some audi engine that like runs my tractor and combine <laughs> yeah. or whatever and it never works right so everything's yeah. dying on the mm-hmm. farm because i only you know i will only use the most obscure engine power to get things done but you'll build a yeah. stage rally I through mean, the trees Actually, I would watch the Hoonigan Farm show. So I, like, actually, I actually would. <laughs> so here's one of the reasons I bought the property. The previous owner was a was a sob collector. So there was okay. parking, indoor parking across the property, not like one location, like across the property for twelve vehicles. Okay. So like it was already kind of built yeah, for me. This is great. But then as I got there and I started like clearing the land, there is like a five turn. Road up the hill so that's hill like climb? a stage hill climb, Fuck, but like, yes. but it's definitely like, not something like, like Leadfoot Festival. We could no, do? no, 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 no. Let's not get that. Like, we're talking like a forty-two horsepower sob from the sixties would probably be fun to take up the hill. Like, it's more like when you think of like old British dudes doing like hill climb right. in like you know some weird ass machine. Well, like, from you the could 30s. have a hill cl- have a hill climb just with a, a, a year limit. Must yeah, be yeah, pre nineteen forty. It's definitely a pre war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck I could yeah. do my own race of gentlemen up the hill. Could, yeah, could you do like, like a uh, like a, a rally stage? It's not that long. Okay. I mean, we're talking. It's it's only it's only eight acres of property. The whole thing. I say only eight acres. I grew up on like a twenty by forty foot plot in New York <laughs> sure. City. Right? Well, no, but, eight acres is big until you start talking about racetracks. Yeah, until you talk about racetracks, like, and you're like, that's one corner, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it's uh, but like it's like it's really like more of like a four by four path. But I found some photos in one of the garages of this guy's like rally prepped. Sob, and yeah. I'm like, oh man, this the guy used to just rip this thing up because there's a turnaround at the top. So he probably just went this up, came excellent. down the hill, went back up, went back down, and like not fast because like a fast car it wouldn't be fun. It's yeah, Sob ninety nine is like hmm, not, this is some yeah. field of dream shit. You're gonna yeah, start driving yeah. that road, and Fucking that guy's gonna appear. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna be like, you've come. <laughs> yeah. If you downshift, yeah, yeah, I will blow the engine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, <laughs> it's uh, it's a cool little piece of property. But everyone there's got samurais. I tangented a bit. First car I ever wanted. Was a Still, Suzuki Samurai. Now I know. And then after that, um, I really wanted a Land Rover Defender 90 because it's 19, you know, I I got my license in 96, yeah, right? Yeah, so they were, so and like, it was North American it was, spec. It was, it was pretty the, new. Yeah. Like, they were yellow. They looked super cool. Freddie I, Prince Jr. had one, and she's all that. Yeah, I bought, I bought into that whole fuck, that whole thing. And then, then 
because I rode BMX, like Volkswagens were kind of cool in like, you know, at the time before they were called action sports, we still called it like, actually back then we had no name for it. And then eventually X Games came out and it was right. like extreme sports. And but the Volkswagen looked good with the rack on it. With so the rack. Put the and BMX that, Right. On and that was like right when the era came out where you had like the Trek Golf yes. and the K2. Yeah. And like, so that brand just like really connected. So I got my first Volkswagen. Why have they not brought VWs. that back? I don't know, but it was a good, that's like really the what car made me bike, a The car kid. bike collab, the car skis collab. Mm-hmm. Like those were good collabs. It really was, and I, they had like pretty good commercials for all yeah. of that. I remember like the like the snowboarder calling the skier a two planker, and it was like <laughs> yeah, it's not that bad, that. but like he yeah. it was so much venom in his voice, like the the, the vitriol. And I was like, oh, whoa! Like, can you say that on TV? I like just the way he like said Liam it was so Gallagher good. Gallagher calling someone yeah, a two <laughs> fucking two planker. Like, that was the just... only insult aimed at because skiers were calling us knuckle draggers, which yeah. is a pretty solid. Diss. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. like two planker. <laughs> Blanker, and I was like, I don't know. But anyway, I, that that's what got me into Volkswagens. And then there's this like aspirational thing that gets you like, okay, I'm now going to buy an Audi, and mm-hmm. then I'll eventually buy a Porsche. So I went and I did that, and then I got the Porsche, and I kind of like forgot about the Audi, although it, it was in a garage in Queens. I was still paying rent on, <laughs> even though I lived in California. Um, but kind of forgot the about the coupe, that. And the, the, the coupe this was the Coupe Quattro, coupe yeah, GT or yeah, whatever. Coupe, it was. Uh, yeah, it's Coupe Quattro ninety. Um, but then from there, I you know I was like, all right. I wanted to get a muscle car. I bought that Nova. Uh, I was like way more into rear-wheel drive cars and everything else. And then, I don't know, like a few years ago, I was like really wanted a Mark 1 again, like Mark 1 Volkswagen. And that's what my daily driver. I have a 75 Swallowtail that I drive pretty much every day. And, um, you know, I was like, I really wanted that. And then I bought that. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't know, the Volkswagen bug just hit again. I just figured I'd just own it. So I think I got Something like is so 12 cool Volkswagen about Audis right now. 1980 to... 1998 Volkswagens. Mm-hmm. Something is about them is so fucking appealing. I don't yeah. can't necessarily put my finger on what it is. Maybe it's just the square styling or something. But something's just very appealing about those. Yeah, cars. I I feel like because even like the B5 that's outside, like that's like the last for me, like really quintessential like Audi gen. And I don't know it's because they changed the motor direction and went from longitudinal to transverse later on. But like it. I don't know. Like I, I love the B7 RS4. Like you yeah, remember that? Those the, are great. That was a great car. I mean, I, I put more miles on those things than anyone in the press fleet. Like I literally <laughs> drove one across America, and then back to Chicago, and then I was like, "Ooh, that was fun. Can you let me borrow one to drive across Europe and do the same thing?" <laughs> and I drove from the Nurburgring 24 to Colin McRae's house to Le Mans in a week. That's awesome. It was fucking sick. What a week. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. great. I love that car, and I, it's one of those ones I was actually just looking them up to see what the price was on them the other day. They've gone back up. The move is the convertible. I know, but they only made 300. They're so. It's the rarest modern Audi by fucking far. All right, you just gave me so part of the house thing, right? Is I want a place that my parents can come out and spend time because when they come out and they come and stay in Long Beach, it's kind of a pain. I'm always working, so like part of the idea is like they can Vacation have a space together. There. They can come out, spend time with my son. And my dad was like, you know, we're gonna need a car out there that's like our full time car. And my father loves convertibles. I'm not a convertible You're just guy. Like, Mission. And I've been like <laughs> thinking of like what convertible is the convertible to buy for them that I also like wouldn't mind driving and then being able to validate. Oh, this convertible. This is just my dad's car. That's yeah. the only reason I have it. I think you might have checked that's that box. Move. Do they the drive arts. manual? Will they drive manual? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my my parents like only that's drive the, manual. That's the car. Yeah. They're probably expensive. 
But you get an R8 V10 convertible. Get a spider. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, yeah. That, there's that. So. Yeah. For your dad. Yeah, yeah. But for, that's it's, it's fucking for my dad. cool. I, I, I like the idea of the farm. Uh, what's the house like? Is it all right? Yeah, it's like it's like a it's weird because the guy was Scandinavian, so but he built a Spanish home, so it's like so. It's honestly like you look at it from one direction, and it's got like the classic like arched hallways, and obviously it's got like the clay tiles, you know, and the saltillo like t- full you know, hacienda, before, like full hacienda style, and then you turn around. And it looks like you're in like a sauna in Sweden. That's hilarious. Because then the other side is like the diagonal like Scandinavian (laughs) woodcut, and it's like two designs in one. That's funky. I'm kind of into that. Yeah, I'm into it. It's it's cool. At some point you'll have to. Yeah, now we need to to go. Yeah, yeah. I have this like future idea of like you know my next thing in life after you know. Like, you know, ne- my next phase would be to do a podcast out there. And part of it would be you'd come and then we would drive the roads together. Yeah. And then do the podcast. Or we could, like, farm some or avocados. Or we could farm stuff. Yeah, we could farm avocados or, you know. I think watching car people do not car things is, is my favorite genre. genre of content. Do you watch The Clarkson Show? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite good. thing he's done in 15 oh, years. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, because he is at his best when he's fumbling and miserable right 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 and and that's why the grand tour didn't really do it for me in, in a lot of yeah. ways but like him fumbling and miserable is funny yeah. it's great it's also new again right yeah. like i hate to be the guy who's like you get jaded on things but you know you drive a lot of fast cars and all of a sudden fast doesn't feel fast mm-hmm. anymore sure you know you and i you probably get this all the time but i had someone asking me the other day you're like oh what's like the craziest like supercar like you've driven and I was trying to explain to this person that I actually haven't driven a lot of great supercars because, or hypercars because I'm so tall that I yeah. actually typically didn't fit in them. So yeah. if we had a press invite, I wouldn't go out of the fear that I would get there and not fit and we wouldn't get our article written. So I actually haven't driven a ton, but I start listing things that I'm like blowing off. And he's like... <laughs> Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> like I'm like oh, I'm like you know, like the four GT, but like special, yeah, like I'm like naming GT. like these things. He's like, "What? You've driven all that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but like to me, I'm like it's not the Zonda, it's yeah. not like the like you know some of the other stuff out there at the time." Yeah, so. when you get used to whatever the lifestyle you become <coughs> accustomed to, yeah, yeah. you never yeah. It's, it's after that first Ford Granada launch. It's <laughs> it's never been but the like, same. Yeah, well, and and you're you know you're. Your brand now today doesn't really focus on that kind of stuff. No, I mean supercars are just I don't know. It was just something that like you like supercars, I, I, hypercars. I mean, really want to call yeah, them. I I I like them as a concept. They yeah. don't they don't I don't I don't lust for them. Yeah. I lust for the things I had on my my wall when I was a kid. I mean, I Fortunately, think a, I have a lot of them, yeah. which just makes me very happy. But I think for a brand side, we're way more the like modified shitbox. Yeah, yeah, like that's like way more like who we are as a brand. Unfortunately, as I get older, I like slower cars. Like yeah. when I was younger, I really liked the idea of fast cars. Yeah, and now it's like I really enjoy driving a slow car. Like I have these roads by my house, and I drove them in the RS2. And the RS2 is like. Decently quick, and mm-hmm. it, it it scoots, and then I drove them in my Audi 200 on Blizzax and blown stock suspension, and it was like the best joy Dude, because we, it was like I was full white knuckle yeah. doing the speed limit. Last <laughs> last week focus. we had yeah. fucking Gordon Murray on the podcast. Oh wow! Who told us his favorite car is a 1949 Bug Eye Sprite with 60 horsepower yeah. and tires that are about this wide. And he said he gets it sideways multiple times between his house and his office. 
Okay. It's all about using, you know, the ability, your ability, the car's ability. Because if you if you got something that's super fast and you yeah. can't go really fast on the way to work, yeah. you can't explore no, the limits. You know, slow you cars fast over fast cars slow. Yeah. My day. Ferrari that's... 328 is more fun to me than any modern Ferrari. Yeah, I can see that. It's great. It's a fucking awesome yeah. car. It's so fun. But, you know, I get it. Yeah. But, like, is that, I think that happens when, because fast is appealing until you've gone really fast. Right. And then once you do it, you're like, okay, and now I want now I want to like just be involved because now today the faster you go, the less involved you are. Right. Yeah. 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 And I also think like I don't know. There's just something about like the rickety feeling adds a good a good level of fear oh, yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. Like I brought I took my rabbit, which is 52 horsepower, up to the canyons, and like there's moments where like I'm downshifting, going uphill, and I can feel the car slowing down <laughs> because I just can't, like, keep yeah. up. But, like, I got out of the car at the end of the day, I was, like, sweating. Yeah. Because I was, like, you know, no power steering, oh, like, just rabbit. working That's it. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's just super stock. I mean, it's just got a set of coilovers on it, and that's really it. Zach so. and I did a race in a 1902 Packard. I thought I was going to die at 22 miles an hour. Yeah. Like, and I, and we could have. Yeah. I mean, we legitimately could have. But this is yeah. how you get weird. This is how you become Jay Leno with weird ass car obsessions. Because <laughs> yeah, you yeah. just like, it's almost like the kink. Like at first, like normal mm-hmm. sex is fine. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually you're like, listen, man, if she's not wearing a scuba mask and like a fucking, you know, and I'm eating an Oreo, like I just can't finish. Like that's kind yeah. of where I'm getting to with cars. <laughs> where like, I'm just 100%. like, uh, if it's not like strictly pre-war and everything, was made with like you know rivets and there's no bolts in it like I'm not driving it you know right. in the beginning it, all we want to do is go faster and fast is the most exciting yeah. thing and I think now I'm in this phase where uh, fun and exciting are not always the same thing and yeah, speed yeah, yeah. is not required for that you know yeah also you get older and you start to like understand math and you're like ooh that speed and True. that wall <laughs> yeah it's not something you come back from at the same you know yeah it's very speed. very true so, yeah um what color is that? Is it green? It is the, rally green. It's green. Rally with an E. Yeah, that's a, so that's not only is that a factory color, but that is the original paint on the car. It's pretty so cool. So it's a survivor paint job. That's yeah. pretty rad. Yeah. I bought it off a friend of mine, this guy, Corey. He never got it running. And in a weird, ironic twist of fate, I actually am the one who got it running. I had planned. Usually goes the other way. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I had planned to pull the engine out of it immediately, put a 16 valve in there with carbs and like, you know, build this like really fun car. And I told myself, like, I just wanted to prove to myself I could get this old 1.5 liter running. And it was actually a huge pain in the ass because none of the parts are, like, available anymore. So I had to, like, search eBay for it. It would be easier to build a race motor. Yeah, it would have been easier to build a race motor. And, like, I finally got the thing back up and running. And I was like, all right, I'm going to drive it for one week and then I'm going to pull the engine out. That's the daylight picture. Oh, what a great color. Oh, that's actually, that's up at uh, Payuma. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, That's the pull off at Payuma. That's, like, the smoothest that that pull off has ever been. It must have been right after the rain. Man. Yeah. It's that I have, I have ripped spoilers off of press cars there. Oh boy, that's a dangerous I, photo style. I had um, <laughs> I had a Brabus uh, CLS that I took off the road there and just ripped the whole front bumper off. I'm like, um, Klaus, um, I need you to send a truck to come get the bumper. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I forgot to hit the lift button, but yeah. So, but no, that um, it's great. No, it's a good. Is that, color. A, is that a spat on the rear arch or is that rust? 
No, no, that's like a factory. It's a, like, like a spat, little, right? Yeah, it's We're like a little like rock guard. Thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. That's that's pretty much everything on there is pretty much factory except it has the European bumpers on it. Yeah. So Which are just, it's just little, little shorty small guys, ones. right? Yeah. The American US like five mile an hour bumpers are gross as shit. The full diving. They boards. fuck every car up. They really do. The they first, destroyed an entire era of cars. Whether it's like a BMW or a Mercedes, a Volkswagen, just yeah. fucking all Although, of them. can we talk about Singer taking the five mile an hour bumper and like Factoring it into their 930, like oh, the stu- turbo recreation. study one, yeah. Like, I love that because they took something that was such an ugly element to U.S. cars and like just and they made it kind of made cool. it cool. Okay, yeah. There's a close up, uh, there, right there, yeah, Zach, there the, 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 on the rear, the with the little the, uh, picture yeah. up, up top center, top center, yeah, that. See yeah, how so they, they made that little they embrace that, that element that. where it would be the accordion thing on the stock car and they just molded it nice and tight, but with that. That uh, what do you call it? Uh, I feel like this was a bet. I feel like somebody <laughs> was like, "Hey, I bet you can't make that shit look cool." And it's like, "Oh, you want to yeah, see? It? You want to see? It's going to cost yeah. millions, but we're going to do it." <laughs> so that is that is some fucking business. They did in the front too. Yeah, they did it in the front. I've always, I mean, wow. I, I've always liked singers. I remember when the first one came out. I mean, that was when I was still a journalist, and we were like, wow. There was that, it was that orange color yeah. one that they released. That's Rob's car. Yeah, and that was the one that you're like, well, this is amazing. And then a bunch of them came out. I wasn't paying attention. And then this came out. I was like, okay, this kind of does it for me. You know, we. I mean, they all do it for me. But sure. like this one really just stood out when I started Luft. So well, uh, this one, it's it's like because the the other one, the original singer, is sort of like let's take a best of greatest hits album of all the nine elevens yeah, of the yeah. last sort of thirty years and stick them together. Yeah. This one is like. Let's let's look at one moment in 9/11 history yep. and then make it modern from there, which yep. is actually more like what Gunther Works does with the 993. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, uh, and it like it definitely plays to that 80s era, 100%. Like, that look, and and I think that that was sort of, I don't want to say like. It was kind of the, I feel like the SC, like when everything was blowing up, the SC was kind of the forgotten one, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody cared about the super old cars and long nose, and then the 964 out of nowhere became the car everybody wanted. Yeah. Um, although I do own a buyer's guide from 1987 that, that no, sorry, 1990, like two or something, and mm-hmm. it said that most likely the 964 would not go on to become a collector's car because of the plastic bumpers. And it was really just the end of the generation. And, you know, it's not going to... And, like, this whole thing. And it's like, this is, like, while the 964 is new Yeah, they weren't reviewed that favorably. Yeah, and they were like, this isn't the car. This isn't going to be the car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's And when I had a friend uh, who was, like, my, my friend's older brother when we were in high school, and we were we were the high school kids that were into cars, and the older brother had a 964. It was, like, a college kid. Yeah. And he wanted us to sell it, and it was a Carrera 2 with like 40,000 miles on it, and it would have been about uh, not eight years old at the time, and we, he wanted us to get $26,000 for it, and we couldn't get couldn't get anyone to buy it. We sold it for $20,000. Well, you know I bought mine? 911 Turbo 965, right? Yeah. Because it's early, early 964 Turbo. With an Andy Al dealer applied package, right? So that's intercooler, turbo upgrade, all of that. With forty, I think it had like forty three, forty four thousand miles on it when I bought it, and I bought it for thirty six thousand dollars delivered to my house from Colorado. <laughs> yeah, in two thousand nine, score of scores. Yeah, yeah, like and at the time, like and I've told the story a thousand times. At the time, all my friends like Tony Harmer and 
Or like, why didn't you buy an Evo? <laughs> <laughs> like, that shit's not even fast. Like, because it's just a time, like, it wasn't, like, yeah. it weren't that yet. And I was yeah. like, I just like how they drive. I just think they're cool. That's you know? funny. So, have you driven that car recently? Uh, but Tim, it's at BBI. It's been there for a long time. That's it kind of right? took a back seat while they were working on the Hunapeg. And I kind of just took the sacrifice of them getting the Hunapeg, you know, finished for last year. So he just sent me a video of it, like, all back together. And, like, they went, like, a Above and beyond, they like rezinc plated all my bolts and all that. Oh, so I cool. actually haven't driven the car. In Did two, it just need years. the like once every thirty years everything service? Is that what it was, or did you break? No, it, it needed a it needed a, uh, <laughs> a valve cover gasket, and, <laughs> and that's a motor out thing. Six years later, yeah, that's an engine out <laughs> thing. And once the engine's out, but Tim's like, we're gonna change everything. Yeah, like sure. it's literally the like you know it's the six million dollar man sequence because yeah. he's like, we can rebuild it all, and you're like, and then he just sent me a video. And it's like he's showing me like Heim joints in the front of the car, and I'm like, it went in for a valve cover. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, I didn't ask to do any of this. Dude, like, my Lamborghini Countach went to Donnie in October because I closed the door and the window dropped down. The cable holding up the window connected yeah. to the crank. Yeah, obviously, I take the engine out now. Snapped. <laughs> engine, engine out. Engine out item. Suspension out. A hundred percent suspension replacement. One hundred percent, all of it. Uh, it's fixed. We're. I went in there with a broken cable, and I'm coming out with like a fifty thousand dollar bill. I had a like boost a leak. I had a boost leak, and it was one of those situations where the car was still quick, but it didn't feel as quick. Yeah. It was definitely like, and it was, and I ended up racing. Uh, just like a little quick little run, me and um, Ron, and he was in an FDR seven, and I did not pull on him, and I'm like, okay. This is like a stockish RX-7. Yeah. Like, I can't beat, like, this car's definitely lost a lot of power. And I, like, checked all my boost, like, hoses, and I couldn't find the leak. So, you know, they've got one of those, um, like, the uh, the smoke guns, right? Yeah, so you can yeah. fill it with smoke and find the leak. And they, they found it. And he was like, okay, cool, yeah, we'll take this out. And, like, next thing I know, I'm, like, getting photos of my block in pieces. <laughs> and I was like, and I, I, I love Batim. And he like this is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But then sure. all of a sudden my car my, my engine's in a garbage bag and like we're buying a <laughs> chassis we're gonna build the Huna pig from. And I'm like, I at that point I was like, I should go buy a Ferrari because I'm never gonna get my car back. And it seems like you did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I got I bought a Ferrari and I got my car back and now yeah. I got both. So I think I'm gonna drive yeah. them back to back and the yeah. Porsche dunked my car in the Atlantic Ocean I know. and I bought two cars while I was waiting. <laughs> Yeah, I'm an that asshole. Happens. That happens. Yeah. I'm a fucking loser. Are you gonna get the new one? Like, did you get it? Oh yeah. Oh, you got it. it. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. It's all yeah, done. Yeah. It's it's everything. It's gonna be at Luft uh, next weekend. Nice. Are exactly. you headed up? up? Yeah, we're doing a live sh- a live uh, podcast. Oh nice, at Luft, nice. When are you be, when are you going up? Are you driving? We're gonna up? drive up on Friday. Are you okay. gonna go up too? Yeah, I'm just trying to decide when I'm going up. I think. Are you taking your car? Uh, I don't know. I'm if trying to decide. If you want to drive up on Friday with us, please. All right, I'll let's, you know. Let's caravan. I'll let you know. Let you know. I, I got a lot to do I while I'm up there. I think your car is fucking awesome. So, thanks, man. I love my car, too. Your car is a good is an example really good. of how to, how to do the RWB thing right. Some people don't do it right. It has so, nothing to do with the body kit. Yeah. Which has everything to do with how you set up the suspension to work with the body kit. Yeah, and I think also a big part of the car was... Um, so, like, when I built that car, so that was the first of two built in the U.S., right? So, mine and Mark Arsenal's were built, like, side by side. Um, Mark's car eventually ended up being backdated and, like, completely changed. His original car was Signal Green. And so, we built this. And I, like, really wanted it to be a car that was streetable. And at the time, like, all the RWB kits were, like, down to the floor. Like, you could really only take them off the trailer and put them onto the track. Like, mm-hmm. that was kind of how they were built. 
And I, when I started like talking to Nakai about it, when I say talking to Nakai, like at this point, Nakai knew like three words in English, right? This is 2010. This <laughs> yeah. is like way above, actually, I guess it's 2011. It was like way before kind of like the RWB thing exploded. And uh, one of the big things I wanted, which is like such a weird Volkswagen kid thing, was I wanted the lowers to be black. Mm-hmm. Right, it was a and, Volkswagen and like thing. so, like if you notice, like the lower part of my skirt and the yeah. lower front lip, like those are all black because that was like what like Mark III Volkswagens looked like was like the lower black trim, and I just thought that like looked classier, and I think still to this day it's one of the things that sets the car apart because almost no one else went that route, and it just kind of makes the car still look a little factory-ish. And actually, by know? compared to some of the ones that have been done more recently, yours is kind of tame by oh, RWB yeah. standards, well, and the fact that it was a turbo to begin with. Yeah, so I already had. Had the turbo look car, right? But also, I had the wider track, right? Because those cars came with a wider track in the right. rear, which means that my barrels are not as ridiculously deep. Like yeah. it's still a massive, like you know, six or seven inch lip, but like it's not the not eight inch mm-hmm. wild lip. And he also later on made the flares an inch wider, which I I just like how the early ones look. They kind of follow the natural like turbo look. You know, body style a little bit more, and then I did things like the the headlights have the crosshairs in it, like the old Volkswagens. I'm f- such a Volkswagen nerd. It looks great. Yeah. This is one of my favorite cars in white. Thank it's you. It's very rare, that, but it looks really, really good. Thanks. Yeah, and we did with the color. I was like, I want zero pigment. I just told the painter, I'm like, I just want like white. I don't want it to look creamy. I just want white. So they sprayed it in white. He called me. He's like, man, it just looks really boring. He's like, what if I put like a pearlescent? coat on it and like I always loved how like the pearl Audis looked mm-hmm. so it was flat and then they did a pearlescent like a flat pearlescent over it yeah it's cool so it gives it that like weird satiny kind yeah. of and they he when it came out of the booth he was like it looks like a marshmallow and I have photos <laughs> of it when there's nothing else no other paint and it did it just looked like a marshmallow and I was like yeah it's kind of cool but so I think fun. that's what helps because some cars that are flat white it just in the daylight, you lose all shape. Like, you lose yeah, perception yeah, yeah, of the shape, yeah. but your car still shows the shape really well and then just accented with the black and red. Well, the it's, shape and the shapes are pretty, they're fairly extreme. They're very, which, they are, which, that's, yeah. that's true. But and realize in 2011, like, we're only like three years or four years out from the first matte colored cars, which was actually yeah, Ken's. Which was Ken's car. Ken's we CLS. talked about it. Yeah. Uh, Back in January. So, like, this was still new to have matte colors. Like, everyone was doing flat blacks. So, like, there might have been a couple of them, like, white cars, but there were very few. Now I feel like every single Tesla has, like, some sort of flat white wrap Well, because it's so much it, – because yeah. Tesla charges you fucking money for basic colors. Right. If you're going to lease a fucking Tesla for three years, you might as well just wrap it yeah, green yeah, yeah, or something, yeah, whatever. So. But, no, I still uh, – this is one of those cars I always tell people, if you ever see it for sale, come check on me because yeah. – Something bad. Yeah. Like I had to sell it for like a medical procedure because yeah. this is one of the ones I'll keep forever. So, it's a, yeah, it's a very good car. car. It was yeah, a dream car as a kid, right? Like yeah. that was the car for me that growing up in Queens, one of my friend's dad was like, he was, he was, he like wasn't in the picture because otherwise he wouldn't, he wouldn't have lived in that section of Queens. But like he would come to pick his kid up on the weekends and he had a 911. He would drive yeah. down from Mount Vernon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. He would come down from wherever rich people lived and like take his kids out for you know, the weekend for a game and then bring them back home, you That's know? So, but funny. like, and I always saw that car and I was like, ah, oh, that thing's super cool. So, yeah. It's anyway. amazing that, uh, that he's managed to, uh, Nakai has managed to like, you know, I, th- I saw how much that guy smoked. I was like, this guy's not going to make it fucking five yeah. years. I was just talking about this to someone the other day. Like, 
Think about how crazy Nakai's life has been, right? So he starts by like doing RWB kits. Like I think I, the first one was really on a Corolla, right? On a on like a A86, right? Oh yeah, he and did like he a, starts he with that, 86s. like kind of in the drifting world, and then gets involved in kind of like the Porsche, like you know, racing scene. There starts building his kits, gets sort of noticed by you know some media in the U.S. Right, including Zero to Sixty magazine, which is how I created my connection with him and that like kind of explodes and you know and now all of a sudden like he spends his life on the road yeah he's like a like, touring musician he's like yeah it's like he's like every time you're like oh he's in you know he's at raw wealth hungary he's <laughs> at raw wealth australia he like he's just yeah, malaysia crazy. and it's like it's crazy there's this massive raw wealth community which by the way i do not belong to at all like i, I don't know if, anyone like, really my in there, dad used to travel all over the world to look at factories and go to meetings yeah, and yeah. stuff and you know he was in that that ma- that that manufacturing and retail business and I wonder if if Nakai just goes from airport to shop back Probably. to airport like does he like does oh. he hang out and do tours? no he and, doesn't because I'll, I'll tell you because I was when when my car was built it was built at the fat lace paddock which was in San Mateo just south of San Francisco and you know I flew out there I didn't really I knew Mark from like the internet but I didn't really know him that well and I called I said hey Mark can I come up there while they build my car like I want to like you know document it and so on He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And I get to the paddock, and it's like just me and Nakai. Like, there's no one there from Fat Lace or Illis. Like, I'm just hanging out by myself with Nakai. Nakai and I don't speak the same language. Yeah. And eventually, like, it was cool because Nakai was like, well, if you're going to sit here, you might as well help me work on your car. So I, like, helped, you know, Nakai, like, cut my fenders off and stuff. Anyway, that was the same weekend as Rensport reunion, right? And he's like, we're like, oh, we're all going to go to Rensport reunion. And we were there with Nakai for like 20 minutes. And he was like, he looked at me and was like, back. <laughs> Back shop, fixed car. Like, he just was done. He was like, I don't want to be here. Like, he looked at a few body kits. How interesting, yeah. Kind of looked at them and then was like, all right, like, let's get back and work on the car. Like, he had no interest at being so at Rensport. So, like, we left early and went back to the shop. So, oh, wow. Like, look at this RWV 86. It's fucking cool. Is yeah. this the first one? There's a couple the different. First one, but like, yeah, damn, does that look? That looks pretty cool, yeah, actually. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wide. It's I hope pretty I'm crazy. not going to blow up his spot right now, but I think our friend Sung Kang is. Doing an RWB eighty six. You I might think. be blowing up his spot a little. Am bit. I? I don't know. Maybe I know about it, but yeah. He <laughs> talked to me about it on the podcast. Oh, he talked about like okay, okay, on a podcast I did with him that hasn't aired yet. Oh, okay, yeah. But like, it, it wasn't like this is a secret. It was. I think it's just. The yeah, thing there's he's doing. there's there's a bigger project that yeah. that's coming back around for. You. Yeah, so because I'm giving him, he's coming here next week to do our show, and I'm giving him nine yards of the bus fabric from my oh, safari yeah. that I oh, have left rad. over for for that. I actually just traveled with Sung to uh, to the UK. Me and him are working on a project, which I, I think I'm like not supposed to talk about too much yet, <laughs> so I won't give away too much, but we were both so busy that he said, hey, can you, would you mind flying with me to Europe so like we can go over stuff? Like we can, you know, just fly first class and we can just work the whole time we're on the plane. And of course, like I'm a complete masochist, so I was like, "Yeah, yeah sign me up, no yeah. sleep." Like, how the 48 hours to Europe and back? Yeah, I'm in. And he's like, "Hey, I got to go over to do this thing and like film for something." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And then like I get like the itinerary request and like realize that and like he had mentioned something, but it just didn't click to me. He was going there to be on the Hot Wheels show that hurt. 
is oh. now hosting. <laughs> so I like flew with him, hung out with Hurt for like half a day, and him and Hurt we went, we got some like good Indian food, and then like flew home. That nice. was like that was the whole trip. But yeah, so Sounds great. I, solid, I didn't actually really know guy. him that well before that. He's fucking ace. That yeah, he's guy. great. He's great. Uh, he's I love that. Like his favorite car is his Toyota Sienna wagon, <laughs> like his Toyota Sienna his minivan. minivan. And he drove his minivan to the fucking no the, to he, the gig. He we loved had it. like a real talk about like he's not just saying it to be like on camera as like the contrarian who's like I love a minivan. No, he no. Like, he was like telling me like no I love it like I can go get this and like I can go pick up wheels or I can go get a couch like it's we really had a useful. big like Sienna versus Odyssey debate. Oh He's, yeah, like yeah. I'm I'm heavily pro Honda Odyssey. Yeah, and not know, the current one. Like See, the 2009 Odyssey. Yeah. That one was the jam. I didn't think the conversation was going to go here, but since we are, <laughs> the Toyota Previa oh, the best. is a supercar. Mid-engine, rear-wheel rear drive, drive. And also available, also available with a supercharger and all-wheel drive. And I mean, a manual it, in and some And a manual. Cases. I mean, it was the super van before. You know, it really yeah, was. It's like was. a mid-engine R34. Yeah. I, I, we bought one as a project car, for, and I drove it 1,100 miles this? off-road. With zero preparation, oh, I, and it was fucking ace. I bet it. I bet. It awesome. I just saw one the other day, like like go up one of those crazy passes that like in the Rubicon, and dude just like ripping up yeah. it in a Previa, and I was like, this is amazing. This is the, 2014. Um, we did this. 20, year, the thing. Uh, oh, this was in. There you go. There it is. All cars go. I didn't go, know oh. that you did that on the on the second one. Okay, yeah. I have to go watch that. It was he, awesome. Here's what I've always wanted to do. I wanted to do a spec series. Spec Previa. A spec Previa. Where we all race Previas. Well, because did you like, see the at uh, Rallycross, Nitro Rallycross? What they, they did. Have? It's called the Van. They did like a Van thing. They did what a was van it race. called? Van. It had a fucking cheeky name that was a play on the word Van. Mm. Fuck. Anyway, I, whatever. I, I saw it because I was like, oh yeah, that's a cool Van race. But the oh, Van Prix. Van, van Prix. Prix. Oh, that's a good a, name. That's a good name. It is a good a, name. And a good name means so much. It gets you, you so far. You it know. It really does. You yeah. are the legend yeah. when it comes we, to naming things. Me and Ron, because Ron's heavily involved in the naming, we call ourselves the Naaman the Naaman Brothers. Oh, that's like, very good. Yeah, like, but like, you know, N-A-M-A-N or something. Yeah. Like the Naaman Brothers. And like, that's our whole business is like just naming things. But no, Van Prix is a, is a good that's name. That's a good one. A good name. I don't, that might have been a Jared Deanda-ism. Mm. He's, yeah, he's, that was he's a good He's a good one on the names, too. That one, though, but we, we watched the Van Prix in person, and... Was it better than Rallycross? Yes. Yeah, I figured as much. It was. <laughs> it was I, I bet. Not only was it better than Rallycross, it was fucking shady. Oh, yeah. No cages. Yeah. Uh, no no, Hans, no, no fire harness. suits, no Hans, three-point belts. Yeah. Have you met Jim York, who runs... No, is it... Like, cause, like he was the reason that all happened, because he was at Pit Viper, and, and now he's at Dixon Flannels, and he's just a madman. Like, he's just... Lacking, dude. Someone fucking cartwheeled one oh, of those yeah, vans, and it caught fire. Like yeah. it was. Cr- I was like, I think we just watched someone die. Like yeah. we didn't. The guy got out and got a standing ovation. But like, fuck me, was it dangerous? Yeah, like, yeah. That's it what makes so it great. Fun. Yeah, and it, and all the vans when they came off, they all just put it in neutral and revved to rev them as they all rolled through, like as a collective uh, so song. Good. It was great. It was great. Yeah, yeah looks that like sounds, a lot of fun. That sounds amazing. But, but anyway, spec Previa. Yeah, I mean spec Previa. Everyone has to have be in a Previa. I think we'd probably only do rear-wheel drive class. But, like, they're supercars. I mean, they're yeah. mid-engine. It puts you in a whole different category. I just think it visually would look good, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I like minivans, but, like, there's minivans, and then, and then there's, there's the Previous. Previous. Right. Right? It's, like, because like, there's, like, 
that and then there's also like the like the Vanagon Synchro. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it's yeah. a minivan, but like it's a it's in a league of its own. Everything else is kind of in the same group. Have so, you seen the Dodgy Bonds? The race the Dodge I've, Van racing? I've owned a Dodgy Bond, but yeah, I didn't fully dodgy it though. Like, I wonder if you could do Dodge versus Previa like oh, as, a, as a bracket. I mean you know the whole history on Dodgy mm-hmm. Bond, right? Yeah. Like I love they, it. I love it because it's such a me thing. Like you bring your motorcycle to the track, you know it's gonna break. So you also build your van that you brought your motorcycle to the track in to race because yeah. You're probably not going to get more than three laps on your bike. Right? I've seen the same uh, theory applied a, a ton at bracket drag racing, where yeah. the tow vehicle well, is always ready to do pulls. When that's the race how the, car that's breaks. how diesel like truck racing right. became a thing. Was like, oh, that broke, and I've already paid for the day, so I might as well run my truck. <laughs> or your crew is there too, and you want your crew to have fun, so mm-hmm. they run the truck. Yeah. So I think I think Previa Pre. Needs a better name than that. No, no, we got to work on it. We yeah. got to work on. It. I don't want to give it away here though. But there's also like is... there are no Previas left that have like less than five hundred thousand miles. Those are the good ones. Like Those are the good Previa. ones. Yeah. It's like the most. They come. They comes with like the beaded seats. It definitely has like the <laughs> New York like cab oh, beaded the massage seats. beads. Yeah, oh, yeah. The one sure. I bought for that project for thirteen hundred dollars drove absolutely was, flawlessly. Was it all wheel drive or no. rear wheel drive? Rear wheel no. drive, automatic, three hundred thousand miles. Great seats, amazing greenhouse, fucking wow. ace, dude. Not they bad off road. They either. look cool too. Oh yeah. Especially if you uh, you do like the pan delivery on them, like you know, like you got like uh, you know, it's like an '86. You do the same, like black on the bottom, white on top. They just look really cool. It and they make be. kits for them and stuff too, which is great. Fucking so great. Is yeah. there a, there's a is there a JDM one that's like easier to get? I don't know. I don't know. But I like where your head's at. Yeah, I just think... Previa sounds. Would it be half dirt, half tarmac, or all tarmac? I think it's all tarmac. This is like a, you know, this is like a a higher class of driver, I think. (laughs) You know, it's not, you know, it's like we want to lift it up, but, you know, it's more like the Formula One crowd, I think, is what we're really looking for Maybe we need to start at the Avocado Farm Hill Climb. There you go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I like that. The car. Yeah. So, no, I I think that that's, uh, that's one I've always wanted to do. I just like how they look. But I don't know. And, oh, part of the idea, though, because it's an endurance race, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll give you the whole concept. It's the Previa, whatever. It's a spec series. It's an endurance race. And your entire crew and all your spares have to travel in the Previa with you. Okay. No trailers allowed. So, like, you're doing laps and you pit. And like you got to mean pull. the team is in the fucking <laughs> yeah. van. Yeah. So like when you're pitting, like your dude in the back right corner has the jack and the dude in the left has the tire and like they get out and like this you is like just that carry car. everything in it. Yeah, exactly. You just, it's like rally style, you got to bring it all with like you, it. but you're on a circuit course. And that then should they fire so drill and change like every time they pit in? Yeah, and that's how you rotation. do driver change. So like you get out and you take off front left wheel, but like you carry all your tools. I don't know if we have to carry tires. I got to think through the whole thing, but I think you might make them. Imagine the third driver by then is already yeah. like sick so he's already just yeah. you probably can't carry fuel I'm sure yeah. there's not a racetrack in the world <laughs> it'd be like uh, yeah, something out of always sunny in Philadelphia gallons of fuel <laughs> in the back of the wild thing. card but like yeah so I think that that's um, interesting you know, that, so that would be the idea right so you have four seats yeah right yeah race seats yeah, of course yeah. right? like we're, we're a serious organization <laughs> that cares about safety at least fourth on the list where's the so floor four jack seats, and, then in the, you know, and that's in the back so yeah. in the back you got like four tires you got your jack you got your thing so like you pull in wow. and then like everybody gets out of the car and they got to pull all the equipment out of the back and like get the car lifted and then like then you got to get the old stuff back in the car strap it down just like a rally yeah yeah because like people don't 
don't realize how frustrating that is for drivers. Like I've watched <laughs> someone losing time and they can't get the ratchet strap to go. Yeah. But realize like if you're not like fully buckled back in the car, like you get you know you can get like fined or timed yeah. you know or time penalty. And then and you have like no way. assigned pit stalls. Right. Yeah. No. You just, who cares? All your shit. I worth. think you have to stop in the pit. Like you can't just stop. <laughs> Although maybe you could. Like if we could find a track that would allow it. <laughs> like <laughs> like you know. So, yeah. Like Rutskogin, Like where they have um. Uh. What do you call it? Uh. Gatbill. And yeah. like they probably would let that shit happen. Like you need to have a place. It's like yeah. You can just pull off the side of the road and just you know change a wheel here and get yeah. back on. So. Yeah. But like, just think of like it adds to the excitement because driving in a car by yourself. Is fun driving in a car with four friends who are all shitting on you for how you're driving oh or God, whatever, and then like everyone's calmed, yeah, right? Yeah. So everyone's talking to each other. Yeah, I this think this is pretty. Yeah. Three backseat drivers in the middle of a fucking yeah. race. Yeah, no, <laughs> just I mean it's judging. It's slow, yeah, but it's entertaining, it right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, sure. and the banter would be great. Yeah, the banter is the banter is fantastic, and then like you know you add something to it, like the guy in the back gets the nitrous button or you know stuff like that. That is great. Now when you have like the driver controls the steering wheel and someone else is on gas and brakes. Yeah, actually, the guy in the front left has the steering wheel, and the guy in the front right has gas and brakes. Yeah. A thing we used to do, um, I won't Cletus's say. Cletus's track is where we do this, by yeah, the way. Yeah, no, that's actually Cletus's. But it's just an old, I guess he could set up like a Roval Yeah, he can make it. He can make a, infield. a an yeah. infield course, I think. Yeah, he, yeah, he can see that. <laughs> by the way, did you see the photo of the Danger Ranger crash over the weekend? No. That they had? Was, it's, on, it, it's on his, uh, it's, it's wild. Was it who, who was driving? I think I think everyone's okay. Okay. I don't know. I didn't go deep enough to see what happened. I just looked at it and I read the thing oh. just to make sure everybody was this like is safe. Very in the air. Yeah. This is. Uh, I saw this and I was like, oh man, that's. You know, you think about this when you try to do. You know. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, wow, at first, a car one above, of the com- above another car. One of the comments was, is this Stadium Super Truck? Because <laughs> it, <laughs> it looks like it Stadium looks Super like, Truck like at Long it Beach. It looks like it. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit, that's crazy. Safe to say that Garrett says this is the only, the one and only Danger Ranger on dirt at Bristol. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I don't know who has the worst deal here: the car in the air, or the car rolling. I think, I think the one. I'd the rather air. be in the air than rolling. I'd rather be rolling. You're gonna have way more spine compression coming down that's, from that. That's probably true. That I mean, not rolls ju- actually aren't bad. It's like a physics thing. You yeah. like disperse energy as you roll. It's stopping as long as the cage is good. Yeah. Yeah. But that that Ranger is about seven feet in the air. Yep. That's, oh yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. yeah, holy shit! The one thing I do like though, counter steered into the land. Like they are, <laughs> that is a, like give them the Colin McRae award so for per, like preparedness, right? Like they are in it. That's yeah, pure full opposite memory. lock yeah. in midair. No, that's yeah. muscle memory. That driver, do, he do felt know, the yaw and he went, "I got a counter," and it just. Oh, no, he's in it. He's yeah. like, "I'm just staying in the line." Yeah. Do you know the? Um, <laughs> do you know that Colin moment at X Games? I was sitting right there when he rolled. And he was racing Travis Pastrana, and he rolls on like the second to last corner or something. And as he's upside down, I'm sitting there and I hear him engage first gear. I remember, and that. I remember being like, "This guy <laughs> is something else." Like he just engaged first upside down. Yeah. You just clunk, and it was like, and then he hit the ground and just went. There's the video from Pikes Peak this past year, yeah. where thank you again oh. for your parking space, by the way. Mm. Um, but uh, when uh, who's the guy's name who rolled the fucking Ultra yeah. Four buggy and then landed on the ground, landed on the ground, and was in first gear within a half a second, yeah. and and it's only beaten by Colin McRae upside down. Oh, but Levi you have to, Shirley, but you have Levi to realize, Shirley, but you have to realize for him, like he's that's like what Ultra Four is for sure. Like, like he's like I only rolled once in this race. <laughs> like 
<laughs> for sure. Hello. But the video to to watch it happen in the video, he not even like a where am I is the car on right like land gear go it was it was incredible. Yeah, <laughs> and just, and just having that down. like cognitive level of like something bad's happened. You're like, oh, I need to find first gear. Yeah, I mean, if you can be rolling a car and think about any, <laughs> think about the rest of the race yeah. while you're rolling, yeah. it's like fucking. Yeah. The minute a car starts to roll, I'm just I just grab the harnesses. I'm like, yeah. oh, just we're going for a ride. Where this guy's like, nope, I'm gonna think my way through. So you knew Colin McRae though a I little did. bit, right? I did. Yeah, I actually had dinner at his house, which was like. Such a surreal So when you went experience. to his house, like, in the RS4, like, he was there. Yeah, yeah. And actually, he had the exact same RS4 I showed up in. <laughs> That's bald. He had the exact same RS4, except he liked the wheels on ours more, and he was like, you, can you swap those wheels out? <laughs> like, it's a press car. <laughs> it's a press car. So. He's like, exactly. Can you give me those he's wheels? Like, he's like, I'm cool with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm no, I, um, so this was, it was sadly two months before he passed away, but uh, I was traveling in Europe. The concept was, it was an article for Zero to Sixty magazine, and- we wanted to compare the 24 hours of Nürburgring and the 24 hours of Le Mans. Which, have you been to either of those? Not in person, no. Okay. So, Le Mans, especially if you're like in a hospitality suite, I mean, it is just like, you might as well be staying in a hotel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was there with Audi, so I had like a room I could take a nap in. You know, it was like the, all the best food, right? There's like, you know, when you walk in, it's the name of all the chefs who are there, right? And it's kind of impossible to walk the whole track, so you just kind of see some of it. Where the Nurburgring is just like a whole, like once you get out of the F1 circuit, it is just like people building these like makeshift tree stands and like barbecues and like, you know, just like everywhere is beer. Like just like just every you're walking and people just handing you like mm-hmm. steins to drink out of. It's like Sebring, right? Sebring, it, it, like the infield is hoity toity and the outside it, is like trashy. That. Yeah. It's like that, but it makes Sebring kind of tame because realize, you know, it's like 14 miles of this that you're walking. So every area has like a different zone and there's all these different sections. It's a fantastic race to go party at. Um, really a lot lot of fun and so we wanted to compare the two right like the party of the Nürburgring 24 and this was you know 2008 so like Nürburgring is like about to hit peak moment in like the Viper like you know yeah, lap yeah. times but like it was still when YouTube lap times became a thing it was yeah. like 09 like right. GTR so was, right. ZR1 Viper yep. so it was right before that hit mm-hmm. so we went there to go do the Nürburgring 24 I mean, this is when Nürburgring was popular because you played it on Gran Turismo right right like yeah. it hadn't really crossed over to really paying attention to like oh shit we could go there and set a time so we went there to watch a 24 hour race and then we were like okay we're going to drive from you know from Germany to you know France to go to Le Mans and as we're on that trip Ken, I like, this is pre kind of like real social media, um, but somehow Ken figured out that I was in Europe, and this was before I was working for Ken. Uh, I was at Zero Sixty, but we were working together, and Ken said, sent me an email and said, hey, you're in Europe right now? He's like, I'm at Colin McRae's house. Why don't you guys come by? I like that Europe is treated like... L.A. Yeah, like you're in town. And yeah. like, actually, I'm in a different country yeah. that's two countries away. Yeah, <laughs> With, but realize, like at this point in my life, like I just figured that like my driver's license in other countries didn't matter. Yeah. So I was like, well, if we do 140, <laughs> yeah, we could be there in nine hours. <laughs> you know, you like do the math, and we like drove to like Holland, got on a ferry, took a ferry to Scotland, got to customs. And we're sitting there in a car that, like, we have no real paperwork for, and it's in German. And these, like, Scottish dudes are like, what are you here for? And I'm like, I'm going to Colin McRae's. And they thought I was, like, 
Like I mean, that's like coming it's to like, like yeah. you know to the U.S. in like the nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to see Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, like, yeah. Or even, right. like, I think it's even bigger than that. It's like coming to here in the nineties and saying you're like going to Michael Jordan. You come yeah. to visit Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. Like that was the level of it, and they just had this huge laugh, and I like had to like I was like no no like seriously like I'm going to like and I keep explaining it, and they and I show them the email, and they're like. All right, come on in. They didn't even like stamp the car, nothing. They just like let us into the country. The Scots are pretty cool. Yeah, they They're were fucking was, chill. They don't really yeah. give a lot of fucks as over there. As long as you're not British and showing up with muskets or whatever. Yeah, they yeah. They're pretty good about that. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, go in and uh, we we drive to Colin's house and um, Colin was building at the time a vehicle that he was calling the R4. And he had this whole concept that he wanted to build. He thought rally racing was too expensive. It was really difficult for people to get in, so he wanted to build a spec car. Mm. So he was building his own McRae uh, R4. Was that and where the Ford R5 like came from, that spec? No, kind of I, the, the R terminology, which is now rally, is basically what um, is what WRC referred to as different classes. It's really confusing. Okay. It used to be like, you have like, now it's like R1, 2, and 3, but there used to be like rally 5 and like rally 2, and it's, it's kind of like all over the place. Okay. But... I don't want to get into that. No, I don't, I don't want to go down a rabbit no, hole. No, yeah, it's a, it's a rabbit hole that like we've just lost 90% of the listeners to because <laughs> um, it's a weird, you know, yeah. Anyway, so. So Colin's but, working on this it, car. But he wanted to work on this car, and it had like a Millington engine in it, right? Like this, so he was testing it at Knock Hill. So like, you know, I get there. And like, I had no idea what we were going to do. And we show up first day, like boom, jump in his helicopter, fly to Knock Hill and get to watch him test this R4 with Ken, right? And like, they're just ripping on the course. And then the next day we get back and wake up in the morning. Like, was Ken even really driving at that point? Or was he yeah, like so, a, just kind of a passenger so, hanging out? So Ken at this point was on the Subaru team. Oh, okay. And at this point, X Games has already happened. Okay. So, because I had met Colin for the first time, I was reporting for the WRC um, and I was at X Games as the like WRC reporter for for X mm. Games, and um, so I was so I met Colin during all that and interviewed him. Um, which, by the way, Colin was such a f- fucking pisser. Um, he, I said to him, you know, I was just asking him questions, and like you know, for me, I grew up on Speed Vision, right? Mm-hmm. So before Speed became before it became Speed Channel, right? And God, what is it, Velocity now or whatever? I don't even know. But when it was Speed Vision, you could watch WRC in the states. So like. This is the 90s, and Colin McRae is, like, the dude. So, like, I, he was this guy. And I loved Rally, but Rally was just, like, such a European thing. So Colin comes over, and I was just like, this guy's, like, the coolest dude in the world. And I'm talking to him, and I'm like, I have this list of questions, you know, and I don't even know what the hell I ask him. Like, the, every journalist has asked this guy something. And I feel like the only reason why he's sitting with me is because, you know, Ken asked him to, like, be interviewed, or the WRC was like, hey, this guy's going to talk to you. So I said, hey, Colin, you know, every photo that's ever been taken of you, like, what's your favorite photo? And he's like, oh, I'm happy you asked me this. There's this one photo where I was coming around and a photographer was in the road and I hit him. And he's fl- he's upside down and the camera's in pieces. It looked just like the camera around your neck. And that's my favorite photo. <laughs> and I don't even know if this exists, but he's basically just being like, I hate journalists. Does, well, does Google have it? Let's just take a quick I, I don't look. even know if this Let's exists. I never look. actually looked. But like, Colin Gray hitting the way he was positioning it was basically like, you're a journalist, and this one time I hit a journalist is my favorite moment. Yeah, he looked just like you. Yeah, he looked just <laughs> like you. And he asked me a stupid yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, His yeah. name was Brian, too. Yeah, and it's like just that dry humor, <laughs> and then he just kind of gave me that little side eye, and I was like, you know, like, 
I, at that time, I hadn't had a lot of experience with like real Brits. Like my best Tony Harmer is British, but yeah. he's Americanized. But it, it took that experience of dealing with people like Derek Doncy that like just the dry level of their humor. Like you just never know if they're fucking with you, if they're not. Like mm. there's just so many things. So I, didn't, I, I still to this day have no idea whether or not he actually hit somebody and this is a real thing, <laughs> or he was just saying it to like troll me. So that's pretty yeah. funny though. But anyway, so I'm there now at his house. You know, three months later or whatever it was, and. Um, you know, when we got, we did that. And then the next day, like we're like ripping rage buggies which was like pre, um, pre you know, cross cart, right? like oh, cross, cross cart. Yeah, yeah. They were called rage Those buggies. Fucking great. And yeah, they were so much fun. Have you driven, have a you cross got cart. Have you driven the Sierra cars? I haven't driven a Sierra. I drove the, the cross cart one, uh, yeah. that like Bucky has. Yeah, I drove, yeah, yeah. It was fucking amazing. It was no, the, so fun. the Sierra car is fantastic. It's really good. Actually, I don't know if this has been announced yet. Maybe I shouldn't talk about it, but. And Whatever. No one to no one. Yeah, yeah. Lucy Block's going to be competing yeah, cool. at Pikes in an electric, Whoa. an electric Whoa. Sierra. Yeah, electric oh, that's Sierra, interesting. Which will be pretty Whoa. sick. That'll be fucking yeah. pretty. So cool. She was driving it the other day and talking to me about it. But yeah, like those things are super rad. I, I will admit, I wish they were a little bigger. Like when yeah, I yeah. when I'm in them. I, I have this, which, like, is new brain, because, like, 20-year-old brain would have been like, send it, but, like, 43-year-old brain is, like, five inches of deflection on that bar, and I'm yeah. not getting out of here. 100%. Like, it's just because just of my size. I couldn't, I, they, what, I, I haven't tried a Sierra yet, but when I tried the CrossCart brand, mm-hmm. they had a 600, a 750, and a 1400cc. Yeah, the Hayabusa the one. The Hayabusa yeah. one. And I barely got into the 750 yeah, yeah. barely it was really uncomfortable yeah. but i could do it and the 1400 was was like six inches longer it actually wasn't as fun it was more yeah. comfortable but not as fun and the 600 was like <laughs> not even fucking yeah. close buddy there's a video of me on daily transmission trying to get out of the cross cart <laughs> um i think if you actually bring it up you'll see it because i think it's in the first it's like insane yeah like I, I was like it was that realization that if something bad happened, like I could not get out of it in yeah. time. But if you're of normal height, highly recommend it. I mean, such a fun vehicle. And if you look at the price comparison to like actual race cars, anyway, yeah, Rage Buggies. So we got there, went to go rip around Rage Buggies with Colin. Like sat at his you know dinner table with his kids and his wife, and you're just having this moment where you realize like this is the really cool part of being a journalist. Like mm-hmm. no one else could get this experience. Like this is one of those fan things. If you're a fan, you'd have to pay. A million bucks for this experience, and he'd be yeah, mad you were auction. there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go back to so. the very beginning. We're talking about you know people that work a certain job to be able to afford the car. Right, right. They probably couldn't buy that experience. Yeah, even if you were, yeah. you know, it, and it wouldn't be as interesting. Yeah, it was paid to definitely like a top ten kind of like cool moment in my life of like in the motorsports world. You know, and then unfortunately, you know, he passed and the helicopter crash two months later. And I don't know if you know about the unfortunate timing of that. Was we went to print at zero to sixty. The week before the accident, oh, yes. and the the cover line was crashing at McRae's because we crashed yeah. at his house, right? Yeah, like, yeah. come over and crash on your couch, and it goes out. Yeah, and, that's you know, not. Great. Yeah, it wasn't great. Like, it was definitely like the week later when the hit print. We got a bunch of death mail. I'm like, that you don't understand. Like, yeah, the was, magazine was, business doesn't, doesn't work like, doesn't this. Work like yeah, that. You know, it takes three not... weeks to print or something. So, but you know, we did get to do this really cool last you know article with Colin, which was great. And I actually still have. Um, and someday I need to release this, but I still have all the audio recordings of all my interviews with him. Oh, really? Yeah, because oh, I you like should definitely that was when like the digital Olympus like voice recorder was like replacing tape. It's one of so those I things you should have like that. an animator. 
Yeah, doing. that would be actually a really cool idea. Like how they do um, party stories yeah. on Vice or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fucking yeah, rad. I'd a, listen to yeah. every fucking yeah, minute of that. It'd be great. Yeah. So I think actually in there is when he talks about the... The Did guy, you ever the find the photo? Hit, I the, found a photo of him hitting, or a video of him hitting someone. Yes. Does it make you feel better or worse that he's not know. Cool sitting? <laughs> Let's I don't see. Know. Call it says, it. It's not that one. It's not that. That was the roll. That was the rollover. Yeah. Call oh, this McCray is this is the spectator era. In uh, in like 240p, just straight mobbing WRC two door Subaru. It's on the next right hander. Uh, he's, he's fucking salt, man. His fucking, he's going at the wheel hard. And like, you realize this is oh, the, man. oh yeah, look at that. Oh yeah. Oh, Get out of my me. way. I don't think that's the one, but he didn't <laughs> slow like, down. He at did all. not check on well, that guy. And, and, uh, is Grit, is Grist in the car with him? I'm sure Nikki's like, uh, Colin. You well, ch- someone said you they just... interviewed the guy at the hospital. He said, I hope I didn't slow Colin down. Well, I mean, but this is the era. Yeah, this is the era of mechanics finding fingers in the cars Mm. because, like, the guy people would want to touch the car and they'd lose a finger. That's you know, like that was like that that era where you still get close. It's also the era of rally where you still really drove sideways. Like Colin Mm -hmm. McRae was was that driver, and then Sebastian Loeb came in and understeered every corner. And found all the speed, right? And right. Changed. He was tidier. Yeah, he was really tidy. It didn't look as good, but like he changed that like just flat out look. But it was way faster. That yeah. was why he always beat Solberg. Solberg was fucking yeah. still sideways well, as shit. It, he was left over of like the mm-hmm. Colin generation of kind of. I mean, or just the whole group B. Everyone drove the cars that way. But then as the differentials got better, they realized like they could come in, kind of tighten the corner, like mm-hmm. even understeer a little bit and just drive out of the corner. And like it doesn't look as good. Like I remember when we were, you know, when Ken first raced in the WRC, you know, Sebastian would usually be like one of the first three people on the road. And when you'd see him coming, like you wouldn't set up your camera shot for him because he would be on a different place on the road than anyone else would be. Because oh, wow. he would have such a different line coming in that you were waiting for like, you know, another one like to come through who was going to have, whether it was like a Petter or someone like or Latvala, like who would come through at a completely different angle, which was more because if they were there, Ken was going to be three more feet off the line, <laughs> like just like tapping trees and like being as wide as possible. Was that, the yeah. style, was that the style that Ken liked? Did he have a discipline? Yeah, Ken he, loved. Yeah. Ken loved being loose. I mean, that was what made him enjoy rally cars. Like he had no interest in circuit racing at all. Like wasn't fun to him. He just wanted to like be sideways, crossed up going into the woods, and like. Did he ever try to do real grip driving? I mean, even I when did, he ran Pikes Peak, he drove it pretty loose. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the first things I did with him was we did one lap of America. Oh yeah, and uh, in a STI, and um, he was quick because like he could still run a line but the days the rainy days was when he destroyed other people there because on the rainy days he could just be full commit into a corner not use the brakes scrub the car scrub speed by throwing the car sideways and come around the corner and I remember watching guys like TC Klein being like what the hell is that guy doing out there what the gravel all over the place (laughs) but that's the challenge of one lap is you gotta do the whole thing on one set of tires so if you drive real hot like that you're gonna have you're gonna have some problems later luckily we blew the motor on the first day so we (laughs) we missed four events so we didn't have to make the tires last that long was it a press car no no no, it was actually the car. The Jim Connor car? Yeah, it was the car that we used on Gumball, which is where I oh, met yeah. Ken. Yeah. And then we changed the face on it to, uh, like, because it was a blob eye, and then they made it look like a Hawkeye. And then it became that, it became the one lap car that year. And then eventually that car, the following year, went to Crawford. They wide bodied it, and it became the Jim Connor car. Yeah. So that car did, like, three different things. 
Where's that car now? It's actually sitting uh, at uh, in Utah. At what was once Hoonigan Racing Division. I guess now it's either Blockhouse Racing or 43 Institute. Like that property is now Lucy and the family have sort of taken over mm-hmm. that space. I think the goal will be to sort of create a museum type thing of all the like memorabilia and everything that we have there because we have all the containers and everything yeah. there. So that's sort of the the future goal. But yeah, so that's the the car on uh, the right is the gumball car, mm-hmm. which the one on the, the car on the left is the actual proper rally car, and the car on the right was pretty much a production car with about like a 430 tune, which Sounds like nothing now, but yeah, like, but that's real fast. Yeah, I mean, I remember being on Gumball with that thing, and you were like, we were like smoking Ferraris and Lambos with like 430 horse, doing like yeah. 170 <laughs> with that thing on the Autobahn. So, yeah, super. Uh, that car was super rad. I actually still have the seats out of the one lap car, which is funny because like we went around one lap of America and we did it in. Uh, Recaro SRDs, like just like a reclinable, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, like and like I still have like the pattern seats. Like Ken was so about like everything looking cool. We didn't have a roll, even the first Gymkhana. There's no roll cage in that car. No, it's not an no airfield. Yeah, yeah, what are you gonna hit? hit? Exactly. There was like no safety. It just looked yeah. cool. I, back in January, I watched that Gymkhana one. It was, it took me back. I hadn't seen it since you know I yeah. hadn't watched it in 13 years or whatever yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. and and it was like. It was interesting how much that video changed car videos, yeah. and also how like charmingly shitty it is by t- you know today's oh, standards. For sure, if you go back and look at it, it's we just did this like we ranked all the films mm-hmm. like from you know least least best to most best, <laughs> and I don't want to say worst, right? But um, and you know we all struggled around one. Because some people, you know, it's it's the first album. Yeah. And you just, you love it because it was so important in its time. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting because some of the younger kids who, that, you know, they weren't there in 2008 when that came out. So, it, like, it just doesn't really register for them. It's almost like sense. it's the demo, not the first album, you know? Right. It's the, Or, like, the mixtape that yeah. you bought out of a trunk in the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, like, you're like, oh, this yeah. dude's eventually going to go and, like, become <laughs> Jay-Z. But, like, yeah. right now he's someone else. Yeah. So, yeah. no, and I think that that's, um, you know, that was – but it's tough for me because I really like one, but I got to work on – like, I worked on one – sort of behind the scenes on a like creative level. I worked on two. Again, you know, I wasn't on set, but then three, you know, through ten I was on, on set for all of them and my role increased with each one. Um, you know, really kind of like taking a lot of control on on Jim Connify, which is San Francisco. But like you go back to one and it's like there's there's a few things about it that are unique. One, we had drifting. Like drifting obviously existed, and we saw drifting, and guys like Ryan Turk had um, off seasons, which was like a great video. Um, but I think that there was this like, there was this massive disrespect for the car, like hitting for things, super. sliding, like but like just like there was this experience where like you're watching someone go slide a car around and not care that like they just slid across a piece of plywood or slid like through grass, like like tall grass. And I know it's like it's not that it's destructive to the car really by much, but everything else before that, like you just wouldn't treat cars that way. And that was the thing that really stuck to me was this. And it kind of as it was, you know, time went on, we started to understand the concept a bit more. But it was like treating a car as it was disposable. Yeah. And that's like how we treated skateboards and snowboards and mm-hmm. BMX bikes. Like, yeah, you have a nice BMX bike, but like if you're gonna break your bike doing a trick, it was worth it to right. go do the if you trick. Break your skateboard doing a stair step. Yeah, it's like whatever. you focus your yeah. deck, like whatever. That's just part of skating, right? And that was like Ken's approach to cars. Like they were just 
disposable. I mean, I remember. Yeah, he didn't. That's why he couldn't collect cars. Yeah. The, he tried to be no. a collector and failed miserably. Yeah, and just yeah, br- yeah. just drive it and break it. I mean, he, he used to joke that like in a rally car, the chassis is a consumable. <laughs> yeah. right? Like if that's how you look at the car, and like that fucking yeah. rental Hyundai, it pretty much was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know, and those are like that was kind of the the way that that just changed. I think the way that people are looking at it because even then, drifting wasn't really that big on wall drags and like that stuff. You saw it a little bit. It wasn't on the level it got to and that film I think just kind of set that off and just the storytelling and the way that it was all put together it's just it's certainly a unique kind of film and again it's that the was first the album. first time I really was exposed to all-wheel drive drifting yeah that's another also one yeah. it never it, it, it was not I knew about obviously rally and going yep. sideways on dirt yeah but I'd never seen drift driving with an all-wheel drive car purely on tarmac with that amount of like tire smoke yep you know that was a that was a really unique thing at some point i need to put this together and i've thought about it but like there's a couple really famous rally maneuvers right that have happened on stage that inspired that film Mm. like i remember as we were putting this together ken was sending me you know, videos of like, oh, this happened to WRC, you know, Spain, and you know, this was, you know, um, you know, either Colin driving or whoever, you know, and oh, this is, you know, Francois Delacour in this corner, and it was things where like the car actually got untidy, like they overdrove the corner and then pulled it out, mm. and that was this thing where like it wasn't really. It wasn't good driving in rally because if you had a cleaner line, you would have been faster. But you sent it a little too hard. Right. You dropped a wheel off. You went out to the edge. You went kind of backwards, and then the well, car. That famous Evo shot, right, where he comes over yeah. the crest and just goes reverse. Right. For I mean, the camera has to fucking pan, and the guy's just doing a burnout, and then it's a it's a V turn, and then you guys right. went, what if, what if we make an obstacle? Yeah, to do Gigi that? Gali did that, and like that was one in the video where like that's one of the 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 scenes that we had listed is like how do you do that, and that ended up becoming the slide around the cone that's like the reverse slide that's like shot over like slightly overhead mm-hmm. in the condor of the STI and which by the way interesting Ken tried that multiple times and got it once but every other time because it was a stock car the fuel starvation would stall the car <laughs> yeah so like later on when we were doing them you know we had all these fuel pumps so we could actually do them in the beginning you'd be like, oh, 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 just die. <laughs> um, but yeah but there was like all this real stuff that was happening in rally that inspired all the maneuvers obviously like donuts around the Segway. That was more Ken saying, "Hey, I've like I've seen people do controlled donuts, but I've never seen it like moving, like being able to not just do this, but control it like mm-hmm. in a direction." And, and that just became this conversation of like, what would be the best thing to go around? And we talked about everything from. Um, you know, motorized bar stools because that was like a weird thing yeah, at yep. the time. <laughs> yeah. and the V eight yeah, bar stool. Yeah, yeah. and I, I actually just talked about this on Jason Ellis's podcast that the reason we cho- we chose the Segway. Because the segue ended up becoming like this, like supporting character for the yeah. films. But the reason we we chose it because like all of us hated people on segways, and the thought was was like no one would care if you hit the person on the segway. Like, That's good funny. for them. Good and in the end, it became the opposite. Like everyone attached to it because like they're like, oh no, you're almost gonna hit the guy yeah. on the segway, you know. And it was this thing of like, oh, the segway guy. But it was also something you could move forward, was visible, was recognizable, and like segway donuts ended up becoming you know kind of a weird like trope for the film series. There's an amazing podcast. I just listened to about Dean Kamen, the guy who invented the Segway, and what a fucking yeah, friend, shit show friends it was. With, friends with my mom. Uh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, so. yeah the, the story of the Segway is fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. wild. Yeah. Inventors, just weird people. Really, really mm-hmm. weird people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so. so, you know, now, now what? 
What, what the fuck was that, Zach? Siri, um, Siri, Siri had the answer. Siri first. was like, "Here, here's what you guys are gonna do." So, yeah, I mean, so now what happens? Uh, it's a good. I mean, you know, it's been a fucking brutal year, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, it was just something that you. I'm not going to say it's not like something you expect, right? When someone's a race car driver, especially they compete in something like rally, there's always that thing in the back of your head that you think about the what if, but like you push that back really hard. You try not to think about it and you build, but you, you do, right? Because you have investors and you have other people like who are looking at the company and questioning like, well, what would happen? So you build these case studies and you do all these things in your head of like, well, what would happen, right? What would happen if, you know, Ken wasn't, even if just Ken chose to just Woke up one day and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So there was like always this plan, you know, I think that both Ken and I like went over of like, what does this look like? But then it happens and the fucking plan's out the window. Because you re- you don't think about the emotional piece of it all going mm. together and like how that all happens. And, you know, that's, I think, the I think the struggle for us over the past few months was getting to the point where everybody at Hoonigan really wanted to do it again. You know, and like what the path forward was and like not just doing it because it was a job, but then also not just doing it because you felt like you owed it to Ken, right? Like you have to find something where you want to do this and like it pays to sort of the legacy and all of that. But, you know, it was a it was it was certainly this thing that in the first month. I think we went back and forth, right? Like, oh, we should do this. And there were definitely days where I think some people were like, I don't like want to do this anymore, right? And especially the people who are really close to Ken and like close to the team. I mean, realize Hoonigan's this like really big machine where not everyone dealt with Ken, right? Like, and some people were kind of just doing their own thing. And everyone knew Ken, but like, you know, he lived in Utah and we're here in Compton. So it's like, yeah. you know, we didn't spend, you know, I spent every day with Ken and, you know, talked to Ken all the time. I mean, me, very rarely did a day go by that we weren't discussing something. And, I, you know, we walk out of it. And I think at first, because, you know, Ken, especially to like myself and, and Ron and, you know, Derek and a, a lot of the guys on the team, like, Ken was so much a part of our lives and the family was so much a part of our lives when we traveled with these kids on the road, watched them grow up. I mean, Leah, who just uh, who just won her rally, won her class this weekend in the rally. Um, like, I mean, I remember she was a month old the first time I held her, you wow. know, like, because I like, I mean, I remember those kids growing up, you know, and so I think if the first thing we all really just kind of we're like, we don't want to deal with work. We just like, we don't want that to be a thing. And we just kind of turned everything off. So we're like, all right, we're going to turn off all the content. We're just, not, we're just not gonna do anything. We're gonna we turned off the social, we turned off YouTube, we turned off everything. And we were like, all right, we just need to really like focus on like what's right for like the family and all the people who are close and like kind of get that back up and running. And it was actually like Lucy who really was like she just was like, I don't wanna stop. Like let's like I don't want like Ken's passing to be something that changes potentially, you know. Like Leah's career because like Ken and Leah were working heavily in like her in motorsports. I mean, obviously she's racing rally, but she's like really interested in single seat open wheel stuff. And like they were doing tests at the end of the year that like you know and all this was happening. And she was like, look, we need to just make sure that this stuff also moves forward and everything. And you know, I think when you get that, you sort of look to her as the north star of like how everyone is supposed to kind of react, right? And you know, and everyone's everyone. I think one thing that both Lucy and I realized is like Ken meant so many different things to so many different people that like everyone sort of like took this differently, right? And um, so we, I think the first month we um, 
we really struggled to kind of get back up and like I didn't want to like react immediately. Um, a lot of people were like, "Oh, we need to do like a Ken, you know, like a a Ken event, like a meet, a gathering, like you know." I was just like, "I I just don't want to do anything right now that like I haven't really like thought through." So we we just kind of stepped back and we had made a a tribute video that we played at his like celebration of life. And after it was done, I was like, you know what? It was not intended to go up on YouTube. We, it was not what we made it for. We made it. And the way you know that is, it's copyrighted music. <laughs> and um, but we made this thing that we, you know, we we put together, and it was I mean, it went out like less than six days or something after after he passed. And we put this like just this huge thing all together of like everything Ken had done from snowboarding and skating and like just this whole like everything in his career. And uh, we put that we decided, you know what, let's put it on YouTube. And then we were like, okay, we've done that. We just told the audience like, hey, we're going to take a little bit of a break. And like the audience has been great about it. I mean, I think they really understood that none of us wanted to just go back and do it because it was the job like we're lucky enough like especially lucky enough today i think because we have this parent company like wheel pros like i don't know if we would have been able to do the same thing three years ago right because mm-hmm. it's immediately like money not in well then people's salaries can't mm-hmm. get paid right and you're looking at that but we were able to kind of like restructure and take a step back and it's interesting because um you know, everything has a silver lining, right? And I think we walked out of this and realized, like, we were doing a lot of shit we didn't want to do, right? We were making a lot of content we didn't really want to make. We kind of got into this model of, like, we were chasing views and not really being who we wanted to be as a brand. And you watch somebody who really kind of, like, Ken wasn't that person. Ken was, like, Ken never wanted to do shit he didn't want to do. Like, Ken was just not that person. Like, if Ken was at this podcast and didn't want to be in the podcast anymore, he would just walk Ken out. Like, he was just that person. He was able – he had been successful enough in life to yeah. bu- to buy that freedom. Well, that's, right? what, that's what being very rich is. Yeah, and it's like he, he went from not being rich to being rich, and that was one of the things that, like, he was able to buy. It was like, hey, I don't want to do this. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And honestly, you know, one of the reasons why Ken was so successful for all of his sponsors – was he had the ability to tell no to tell sponsors no. I work with so many different drivers and so many people are just so happy to have that sticker on the car and the paycheck where Ken didn't care. Yeah. Ken would tell a sponsor like, hey, what you're asking me to do is corny. I'm not gonna do it. And then they don't really know how to react to that because like, you what are you gonna tell him? You're not gonna sponsor him? Like he'll <laughs> yeah. go get someone else to sponsor yeah, him or yeah. he'll just fund it if he needed to. Yeah. And some of the best things that ever happened, like that we did that were the most successful things we ever did were the things that partners were like, no, I don't think you should do that. And Ken was like, yeah, no, that's great, cool. So anyway, <laughs> so we're doing that, you know. And, did, and did, but, did partners not have like the respect for his he's got this back catalog of like clearly a great creator and has a great marketing mind no nah, it's just big corporations man it's it. just nobody wanted to sign off on something that might not be successful right or something that was new right or anything like that I mean um, one of the things Ken uh, Ken was on this podcast not to shout out all these other podcasts on your podcast but yeah it's a listening group and it's not automotive but um, there's a snowboard podcast called The Bomb Hole yeah and I actually never listened to this podcast when it came out. He did a podcast with them like two years ago. Everybody I knew was like, man, did you hear Ken on the bomb hole? I'm like, no, I hear Ken in my fucking head every fucking day. I, what I don't need There is nothing is to, new yeah, on a podcast. Yeah, what I don't yeah. need is to spend the like hour of solace I get listening yeah. to true crime and to hear Ken talking to me about work. No, I don't need this right now. But obviously after he passed, I, I was like, right, I think I need to like go listen to this podcast. And he talked about that when he made the first Jim Connor film, he went to Monster Energy and was like, hey, this first film, like I'd like you to be involved. 
um, it cost me thirty thousand to make, which is so crazy because I know how much it costs now and add a lot of zeros to it. Yeah, right? yeah. And he's like, yeah, thirty grand. They're like, no, we don't like get this. Like, it's a video, like on the internet. Like, it's like it's not sounds a, right. Like, yeah, like who's gonna do this? And they passed on it. And and then DC had the vision and said, hey, we'll we'll do this. And Ken, even though he was, because at this point, Ken had sold the company and was, you know, he didn't want to go to the company he sold and be like, I think you guys should do this thing because I'm, I'm like, yeah, I took the money you gave me and I became a race car driver <laughs> and I want you to do this thing. So, like, he didn't go to them and try to sell it, but he mentioned, like, hey, I got this thing. I just want you to see it because I don't want you to say, hey, why didn't you involve us? And then DC did it. And then I don't know how much you know about this, but you know, three years, four years later, Ken's merchandise was the number one selling piece of merchandise ever in DC history. It outsold like Rob so Deerdick, everybody else. Like he ended up creating this thing that really paid back for DC Shoe Company. Mm. You know, um, anyway, it's one of those things where like I think sometimes partners were afraid to be new, right? Yeah. And Ken would just drag them along unwillingly. Like, and then once it was a success, it would win, right? And this was something that you know Ken and I used to talk about all the time was um, I'm clients like clients hate me during the process and then love me during the success yeah. because like I don't care I don't care what you're asking me to do if you were so good at this you would do it yourself like just get out of my way like don't stand in my VTR with me put them in a different van I know every client who's listening right now is like that's why we have our own van <laughs> <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but like you know it's like I just because like just trust me that I care about this yeah. more than you do mm-hmm. like I, I, I care backfired? about this was ever totally bombed no, I mean, I we've had a couple, we've had a couple misses that are other people's successes, you know, kind of thing. Like we did this one video, which was um, uh, Ken really thought that like because we were in the early days to like rewind a bit in the early days of this, you know, viral was like this weird world, like it was still small. So everybody who was viral was sort of viral together. So for example, do you remember Will It Blend? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, like, we did a collab with Will It Blend because, like, we all knew each other. Like, we, there was, like, a top 10 list of people <laughs> who had viral videos, and we were one of them. Yeah. So we were like, hey, we have an RC car. You think it'll blend? Like, yeah, we'll, it we'll blend like it. like, you, Will It Blend, and the whistle tips guy. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and then there was, like, this, there was this, like, hot Russian girl who would, like, do, like, word of the day or oh, something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. And, like, fucking we did a collab. I heard about that shit in so long. Right, yeah, and, like, yeah, we yeah. did a collab with her. Like, the world of viral was very small. Like, if you were in a cat falling out of, like, a bathtub <laughs> right, and you were actually trying to create viral content, it was a pretty small group. So, like, one of the things that we're starting to do well, and this is before, before like, Vivo and all that, was, like, music videos. Mm. So Kim was like, well, if we made a music video, like, that could really get big. And I think we tried a couple artists who all said no to us, and eventually we ended up doing a music video with the kids' name, with the the group named the Cool Kids, which is like uh-huh. a rap group. Like yeah. they were known best for they had a song about BMX. I remember that. Anyway, this was Jim Conna three, part one, and uh, it was it did it's still like I don't know what the views are like. Zach, bring it up because I'm sure it's like more views than most people's biggest successes. <laughs> but when it came out, I mean, the the hatred was thick. Like, really? you gave us Jim Connor one, and then you gave us Jim Connor two, and then you left Subaru and you made a music video. Like, what is wrong with That's you? That's pretty funny. So, like, I, Jim Connor three part one. Oh, part one. Okay. Cool kids music video. Um, or like it just disappeared, no one watched it. But I want to say it has like at least five million views, which like is yeah, pretty which fucking most successful. People would call that like right, pretty it's pretty good. Six, five point nine. Five point nine million views, yeah. right? So like, you know, 
that was still somewhat successful, but for us, it felt like kind of a failure. Mm. But luckily, we released uh, part two like the following week, so it was like quickly forgotten. And that has seventy million views. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's more like it. That's more what we're used to, right? So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, we always we were lucky to not have more misses because we certainly like swung on things, but. You know, all the Jim Connor films pretty much hit. I think the Jim Connor ten didn't do as well as you know Ken wanted it to do. It still did, you know, thirty million or something like that. Is that, that the that's the electric or that's no, the, that's the five part one. Oh, so yeah, I mean, yeah. look, Electricana is. I think all of us knew Electricana was not was going to be a struggle because yeah. you're in this. It's a really weird Venn diagram. The people who like electric stuff. Yeah. And then also like cars that make tire smoke. Yes. Yeah, is yeah. a really weird small crossover. Mm-hmm. And you know how you know this? Go search Electricana on like Engadget, TechCrunch, like any of those ones, and all of them are like this is sophomoric. Like <laughs> anyone who uses the word sophomoric first of yeah, all suck a dick. Second, that's funny. like that's the that's the group that was yeah. that I think you, the electric audience is normally looking at. Harley Davidson learned this hard lesson. Yeah. The people who like Harleys and the people who like electric motorcycles is the fucking you, circles you, don't yeah, even touch. Yeah, they don't touch. And yeah. and so, I mean, it touched enough that, you know, there was, you know, eight or whatever million people to watch it still. And obviously, uh, you know, Audi was heavily yeah. involved well, and it was kind of like uh, that thing. Yeah, but, but also like it was, it's a weird one for Ken because that was, um, sorry to be playing with loud things on the table, but... Um, the iron- ironically, the plate that sells tends to not that be says, loud. That says, don't hit. I'm <laughs> taking on. I just, sorry. Zach, get one made out of cork. Uh, <laughs> stop using the quiet please air horn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, I, uh, you know, we went into it knowing that, but at the same time, and this is an interesting one, in the first week on Instagram and TikTok, the, like, just segments of the video... Did over 100 million views. Yeah, and I think that this is what my my feeling is of it. Watching an electric car do one or two amazing moments is about the Overton window of acceptability. And on that, by the way, I just want to point out that I just shit on someone for using the word yeah. sophomoric, and then I just use Overton window. But whatever, here we are, right? <laughs> I myself. Um, Your parents you know, are scientists. You got to yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, but like you know, like that concept, like the Overton window is like the r- window of what people are willing to accept, mm-hmm. and you're will you're like watching the car slide around backwards, crazy reverse entry, lost in smoke around the Las Vegas sign was cool. That got 35 million views on TikTok alone. Yeah, but eight or nine minutes of it. Nah, that's a little different. And, sure. I, and I think that that was it. Like, I think that the casual viewer who would watch something on TikTok or on Instagram on a reel didn't care that the car didn't make the noises they want. But the person who was going to sit down for and nine minutes, yeah, for yeah. nine minutes was different. And also, they were expecting something different, right? Like, the person who watched the 35 million people who watched that video were the same 35 million people who watched an incredible football play and yeah. who also watched like some other ridiculous moment in sports and it checked but that won't box. watch the game, yeah. yeah. So, I, I think that was a lesson learned with that, like, you know, it's just who you're speaking to. It's always, you know, first rule of writing, know your audience. Right. So, yeah. But, and uh, it's an interesting thought process. A lot of people who watch reels on Instagram and TikTok watch them on mute. Yeah. And so they don't so even know. The sound doesn't yeah. even actually matter. Yeah. It's like 75 or 85%. Which is, percent, right? Yeah. All of our podcast clips have to have yeah. subtitling yeah. on them because a lot of people mm-hmm. watch them on mute. So, yeah. so for that audience, the sound is completely irrelevant. Yeah. Whereas. Sure. Who wants to watch his YouTube? And, and Jim Connor's always had like a natural soundtrack because of the engine, and so yeah. now you take that away, and it just it 
for me, it just changed the experience of consuming the content. And I think that was also the problem with the Cool Kids video, and we learned it there. It was like you put music on it, and people were like, that's not what we're here for. Like, yeah. we're here for the anti lag and like all the other cool, like, you know, pneumatic shift sounds yeah. and all of that. It's almost like really music. Cool. Like, if, if he's coming towards camera and it's just, you know, engines building, building, and then goes to D cell, you go, oh, what's about to happen? Mm -hmm. And then you cut to the shot, oh. and now there's like, you know, a donut or whatever. So it's, it's all these payoffs. The thing, like, so the process of editing the videos. Um, when we when we edit them, like there's usually anywhere from there's five main cameras, and then you have a bunch of other like GoPros and stuff. So like usually we're taking sound from about eight or nine cameras, and we just put them all and we just run straight level across. So it's just like noise, mm -hmm. right? And I get really used to the noise because I'm editing it for six weeks, and that's just all I hear, right? And it's still you know it's still engine noise, but it's just like there's no levels to it, and the minute there's two things and it's so weird because it's just how your brain works like i know like all the sequences don't change like the the video's locked and now i send it to color and the minute it goes to color it all feels like one video all mm -hmm. of a sudden there's no interruption none of the edits changed it's still the exact yeah. same clips and timing but the color you know kind of brings it together but the minute that the sound goes in and like they go and they level everything out and they get that perfect all of a sudden it feels fast and it's weird how, like, because you said, like, you're hearing the D-cell moment, and then you're hearing this, and, like, that, it's such a part of the film that really is difficult to recreate with the sound of the electric car. Because the electric car is still, by the way, it's not quiet. It's loud as shit. Yeah. In some ways, Ken was actually, I think, at one point asked for, for earplugs, because it's just, like, a screeching noise inside the car. And the tires are also really loud, too. But um, it's such a part of the experience. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I think it's something that we will certainly struggle with with the future of like electric and motorsport because that sound is just it's yeah just Dude, I, I drove an electric baja truck for a tv thing and mm -hmm. it was i had the greatest day on earth of course yeah and then you cut to the drive-by shots and it's just like yeah just you know tire on gravel and yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't connect the same way as the same with rally cross the vans were more interesting. They had fucking straight piped oh, sure. on yeah. V six GM shit yeah. blocks. Yeah, you know, know, like but I don't I, I don't believe that motorsport needs to be electrified for some environmental reason. No, it's not environmental at all. It's marketing. Yeah. Right. I mean the only thing that drives motorsport is, you know, win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Sure. Right. So marketing is always what drives that. And if there's no marketing dollars around it, the automakers won't be there. Mm -hmm. So like this is where you start to get into the question of like, well then maybe the automakers just need to leave motorsport. <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. Because like, like Colin McRae build the rally cars. Yeah, like well like or just use their cars, but like don't let them be the lead sponsor. Like mm -hmm. if because I think if you went and asked like I don't know, name a big sponsor in NASCAR. Like does Eminem still sponsor? Do they sure, start, yeah. Right? Whatever. Probably. Let's assume they do. Know. DHL for sure. DHL, yeah. right? Like do you think DHL Liberty University. Yeah, do you think like they really <laughs> care about whether or not the car is electric? Like no, yeah. they want eyes on their stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Or you know, Colin McRae, triple five cigarettes. Like you think they gave a shit <laughs> yeah. about what that like, you know, flat four? No, they were trying to sell cigarettes, right? Yeah. And I think that the problem is is automakers lead the conversation mm -hmm. in what motorsport's going to be and the, everyone's everyone feels like you need the automakers involved and yeah. eventually for us either it's going to motorsport is, was already dying it was already something that was difficult if it wasn't for netflix doing uh drive to survive like which i think gave a rebirth to formula one True. but it'll be interesting where that goes in a few years because they're going to have the automaker push. This needs yeah. to be electric because this is what we're selling in the store. That's like what's driving 
that push to be electric. It's, it can't be that the small amount of motorsports that happens is creating an ozone no, no, hole. Certainly not. Meanwhile, like container ships are just stacked <laughs> off of Long Beach, yeah, like yeah. Run, running cut oil. Running so like, don't even give me that for yeah, twenty-four exactly. hours a day. Exactly. Yeah. So like, oh, we're within a hundred miles. Got to turn on the other engines. Like, <laughs> like fix that. Then let's talk about cars. But yeah. yeah. But anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm purposely bringing myself back off this tangent because I want to answer your what's next for Hoonigan because I can get into this conversation of like how bullshit it is that motorsports is just motorsports is a really good headline oh we have we making them do electric they're not allowed to turn gas cars into race cars anymore but let's forget about all this right. other shit our executives yeah. flew private jets separately to the race to watch the electric cars <laughs> yeah around. exactly exactly yeah so but no I mean back to that point like I, what I was getting at with kind of the Ken thing was we kind of all, you don't notice shit when people are alive. You just don't. Like, you just don't notice certain things about people you spend a lot of time with. And, you know, I had a extremely complex relationship with Ken, right? He was, like, my friend, but he was also this mentor. But then he was also my business partner. And, like, Ken very much treated me like an equal, mm. which was difficult because he had the expectation that I would be equal to him, right? And, like, a lot of that was a lot to bear, especially in the early days, because you have this guy who was like 40 under 40 for marketing, all this, he's built all this crazy shit out of DC shoes, and then kind of comes into the automotive world and like lights it on fire, right? I mean, I think within the first year, you know, all the articles like, you know, rally, you know, shoe tycoon turned rally car racer in Jalopnik and things like that. And once we started Hoonigan, you know, because in the beginning when I was racing, I was definitely working for him, but once we started Hoonigan, like we were business partners, when you know how business partners are. Like some days, your best of friends, and other days you're like how you want to strangle each other because you know you're not there and um i think that that was this really complex relationship for us all and i think you know after he passed you, you get really introspective plus it doesn't help that the day that um the day that he died i got covid and i was isolated in my house by myself oh. so i literally was in like my this like grief sweat lodge of just Oof. dealing with that and like you know you guys are busy you know how this is um and i don't want to get too deep into this because it's a it's a car show and keep it light but um you know rachel died last summer right yeah. like she was a good friend of mine i dated her for a while like yeah. we were, she was my ex-girlfriend and like, i was busy i was on set when it happened and like i didn't even really have a chance to like like just process it you know like it was like it was such a shock you know like when I heard and then like I was like okay well I, I have to like go to work now you know and and then you start to think about that and I you know I've I've talked about this before but it's like one of those things where you know you you start to realize that like you know, you've been so busy with work for the past 20 years that you did this to a lot of tragedies in your life mm -hmm. and it was so easy for me to just bury problems in work like oh man that sucks well this has to get done i just have to deal with it it's a great distraction and then all of a sudden like my whole world stops so like not only did like hoonigan stop i had nothing to do no one was expecting anything from me it wasn't like oh i'm not gonna deal with this i'm gonna start working on the next jimkana film like that wasn't it like yeah, just yeah. the future had stopped at that moment and I was, you know, it was actually my first time getting COVID and I'm like isolated, like from my wife and my kid in my house. And I live in like a semi glass house. So I literally was like boy in the bubble, like just watching my family through the window. But like, you know, and I, and I had this like really, it was tough. And it was like, I was this really like tough two or three days where I also felt helpless because like I wanted to go to Utah and be with Lucy and the kids and I couldn't because like the last thing I wanted to do was go up there and then get everybody sick yeah. so like I had to wait for like you know two negatives and so on and um but it made me like really kind of like think through it all and then we did the memorial and um you know and I, and I, I spoke at the memorial 
I, I, I set the whole memorial up. I had all the different speakers like Rob Deerdick and Todd Richards um, and Damon Way, who was Ken's partner at DC, and um, you know Sal, uh, like Salema and all these people who came out and, and talked. And um, you know, I, I set the whole thing up, and I was the one who was like supposed to close it and like talk to it. And I, I kind of prepared what I was gonna say. And I'm pretty. I'm been on camera for years, and I've always been used to like talking in public. So like I don't really think about it. And I was like super nervous to get up there, and I kind of just like just monologued it and like and I, afterwards I think is when the words really sat it like like you know like synced in because like I thought about all the stuff that I set up there and a lot of it was you know repetitive of what other people who'd said before me but there was this big thing of like how you know in afterwards there's two things that really like I took out of my relationship with Ken and one was he was really good at like creating opportunity for people who like deserved it or worked hard Right, like he, he was just one of those people. Like I looked at not just myself, but all these people in the skate and snow and moto industry who'd worked with Ken. There's 500 people at this memorial, right? I mean, the memorial was the week after he passed. Like people, and it was the middle of the week. Like people just dropped everything and came, right? And just so many people who were there and this like outcrying of like just how we were all connected by Ken. Like I wouldn't know half the people in the room. Like I wouldn't be friends with like guys like you know, Jason Ellis, like I had all these guys I know because of like my relationship through Ken. And it was this realization that like he was, he was a really tough person to work with, to work for. Um, I'm sure, uh, I'm, I'm sure our friend, uh, Thad has told you that he could be, he could be a lot. And, oh, um, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. No, no actually, oh, yeah, I never heard that. Well, it's funny though. Cause like Thad, I think had so much like abuse in Dubai that he was like, just, he's like, ah, this is fine. I <laughs> yeah. don't care. I'm just happy to not be <laughs> I'm just Dubai. happy to be yeah. here or whatever. Yeah. But, um, no, but like Ken was just really, really, you know, critical and he expected the best. And that was like the kind of person he was, but also, and this is the thing that came out of it was he, his expectation of the best was this, like, it was weird. Cause in some ways it was frustrating. Cause you're like, oh, dude, like I can only give so much, like uh, fucking like on three hours sleep. What do you expect? But then in other ways, like the expectation gave you the confidence to do it. So like, here I am, this magazine guy. And I come over and all of a sudden he's like, you're going to be a filmmaker. Like, you seem like a director to me. You should direct this film. You know, and it's like, I don't, I didn't go to film school. I don't know any of this shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm on set and I'm asking the PAs what to do, right? And then eventually it becomes natural and I move into it and I go on to direct a bunch of films. And I go on to direct films without Ken with Travis Pastrana and BJ Baldwin and all these other people. And I have all these, like, successes separate from him because he gave me that, like, confidence mm. to do it. But not by being like, you're good at it, but being like... I expect you to do this. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, he had moments of like, hey, you're actually really good at this. Like, you know, and then he was never, he was always the person who, like, he would come to you and be like, you know, that guy's actually really good at his job. But like, he wouldn't tell you. It's just kind of the way he, <laughs> that was how he, that, that was his love language was in, you know, indirectly. But the other part of that, for Ken was like, you know, the opportunity thing. And we started to like realize all the people in the room, like, man, we're all sort of connected through the same opportunity that Ken created for people. Um, but the other one was like, and this is, I think, where which shifted the mentality of Hoonigan. I am coming back around in full circle here. I just let everyone know. But the other part was um, he had this like, he really like lived life to the fullest. And that is such a cliche thing to say. But I had this real moment where as everyone was talking about it, I just, it's just, you have these, you know, when people die, you have very um, morbid thoughts. And I was like, man, if, if this was opposite and I died, 
would everybody be sitting here going, man, Scotto really lived life to the fullest? Or would they sit there and go, that dude worked too hard and has a bunch of cars that don't run because he never made time for the shit that he was really passionate about. And he buried like most of his life in work and like lost a bunch of friendships because of that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. fuck, you and I have known each other for how long? The only time I see you is when we do a podcast together or we're working <laughs> together. We're yeah. back in the day, I would see you because we'd go karting at Grand Prix yeah, or like, yeah. you know, like see each other in New York doing stuff. And like that part of my life really disappeared. And um, and that's why I, like I hit you up. I was like, I want to come on the podcast because like in the past I wouldn't. I would only do it if like we were like selling something. Like, right. hey, Jim Connor's out, so I'm going to come here and talk to you about it. Um, but I, it was this moment where I was like, man, like that dude really did. Like he would get up in the morning and go like hiking with his dogs or go snowboarding and then do a meeting and then go mountain biking and then do another meeting and then like go race cars. I mean, like he just really yeah. took his own. He understood work balance. He worked a lot. It's not like he was vacationing, but he just filled every minute of the day with like really doing that. And he also just didn't do shit he didn't want to do. And I think that really resonated with all of us because as we started to say, okay, Tabla Rosso, we get to like, you know, just create a new Hoonigan moving forward. What does it look like? Do you think his busy and your busy were so different because he was in Utah? And had more money and therefore more freedom, uh, or because he had his kids were growing up, and and that was and and for most of this whole history, you didn't have kids up yeah, until yeah. very recently, and and so the perspective changed, or is it? It's a good question because I've talked to other people about Ken before Hoonigan, and people were like, "Yeah, he did what you did." Like Ken would like sleep at DC. Like you'd come in the morning, and you could tell like he just slept on the couch that night to get work done. Like he was definitely that person. But I think he was also known for like having fun and partying and and all of that. Where like I, when I was at zero to sixty. I worked really hard, but I also played really hard. Like, I was still going to press junkets, doing all of that. But, you know, I haven't been on a racetrack, like, other than the sheriff's course, like, a few months ago. Like, I haven't been on a racetrack in a decade. Like, I literally just, like, was so consumed with building the brand Mm -hmm. and putting everybody else and building up, like, helping build up, you know, all the people who were on the show and creating that, that opportunity for everybody else. Like, I wasn't really doing it for myself anymore. And it's funny because... Back to the 75 Rabbit. Like, I drive that car every day because it reminds me that I like cars. Mm. Because I bought an A8L, and it's nice. And yeah. it was actually the 4-liter twin turbo was fast, and my old A8L was still fun. But, like, it was just a car that got me to work. Yeah. And I kind of, like, started to, like, not enjoy like, I was, like, removed from car culture. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, you might go drive the 911 on the weekend. But I was like, no, I need to, like, so I now no longer own a car newer than 2002. I have a 2002 D2 S8, which is the car from Ronin. Yeah, it's yeah. the newest car Those I own. Those are good. Newest car I own. Everything else I own is old because I enjoy it. The reason I am driving a press loaner today is because my RS2 blew its power steering rack, (laughs) and that's sometimes the things that happen when you drive old cars, but it was one of those things of me being like, I need to do this stuff so I get to be more attached to it, and I get to enjoy it more and and do all of that. But back to the Ken thing, I I know he spent an era where he was really hyper-focused on that, but the big difference, and this is why Ken was, you know, made a ton of money and I've made a little bit of money is that Ken was creative and organized at the same time 
and I'm not. Like I am the definition of ADHD, right? Like I I have these, you know, moments of like big ideas and then I cannot get through like I, like I haven't eaten today. What time is it? Get the fuck out of here. Jesus. It's 5 p.m. I have not eaten a single thing today. Seriously? Yeah, because I just forget to feed myself because I'm so <sighs> focused on work and meetings and whatever else. Yeah, I had that's coffee. Not so good. I had coffee and like a a fucking Celsius on the way here. That's like that's it, right? And like good. I'm starting to realize, like, oh man, I probably need I to have a, a, so a bite to eat. Yeah, I can't day. believe you're working. Where like Ken, where Ken working. would f- like eat like every 45 minutes, sure, right? Like just a little this perfect meal and so on. And I think that's what made him so successful. Is a lot of times I meet people who are that organized and like it's like left brain, right brain. They you don't seem to, to be, be as really creative. And, and you also really have to be in charge of your own kind of destiny to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't be making 10 bucks an hour and do that. You no, know, but, but, but... I mean, look, Ken didn't come from... It's not like he, you know, it's not like he was born on the streets and he no, was an no, orphan. No, but, like, but, he did come from, like, oh, you know, a working class, like, middle class family, I would say, in Long Beach. And, like, you know, he did borrow money from his parents to help start... DC, but it was sure, a small but, amount of and money. Whatever, fine. But like, but I'm talking about now. To that point. I'm talking about yeah. now. Yeah, you yeah, could yeah. afford. Oh, for sure. If you, if at this point in Brian Scotto's life, you could eat every couple of hours, <laughs> it would be fine. People would forgive you. My wife will look at me and be like, "You just drove a 1987 Audi 4000 home from Canada. <laughs> you could have had it shipped, but you decided to go drive this car." That has rust. It's not even like I bought a cream puff of a 4,000. I just needed an adventure. Yeah. And she's like, you own a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> she, which she doesn't like, by the way. She thinks it's like two. She's not like a big flashy car kind of person, right? But yeah, she likes terrible cars. And she's got two Land Rovers now. Yeah. She's got a Disco with the Cummins in it, and she just bought cool. it. She just bought an LR4. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Just, can we get three AAA memberships? <laughs> like, how do we get, can, can we get our son a AAA membership so we can get an extra 200 miles on the tow? But, um, yeah, I mean, it, but it's one of those things where I like, I don't know, I just enjoy, I enjoy the, the, the torture. It's always worth it for the story. It's always worth it. But it's also always a, a journalist. Like last, last year I went and visited some friends in Tennessee and we drove, we took a 66 Mustang and like a 73 2002 camping. And they're both kind of like shit boxes. One is like rusted through. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, But same thing, it's the adventure. Yeah. Like, By the way, that's it, just adding lightness. That's very true. It, yep. it, it did add Word lightness, to but it's Adam. like, it's a different It's called natural weight reduction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, back to back to Ken. Like, I, he had this unique ability to be extremely creative and extremely organized. So, like, I will have a great idea and I will forget it in fifteen minutes if I don't write it down. So, like, I, I have been driving on the four hundred five before. I've been like, <gasps> and like pulled off at an exit and like stopped to write it down. Or now I'll just take a voice memo. But because otherwise like it would just be in and out. Mm-hmm. Ken would have a great idea and then later that night at 6.15 he would sit down and he'd write a creative brief and put out all the ideas and then send it to me. Like he was very organized mm-hmm. in that stuff, you know, and then I could take that and like, you know, flesh it into like something a lot bigger. Like that was sort of the way that the two of us worked together. Um, but I don't know. I It's a good question because I've actually, you know, other people I know like Damon, like he's mentioned, like Ken was one of those people who was just Really, really committed to a certain time, and sure, when you have more money, you have more freedom, and you could do more stuff. And like, but it sounds like his brain also is the intersection of almost like an engineer and an artist at the same time. Yeah, an engineer yeah, yeah. can figure out the system to execute something, but you yeah, need yeah, someone yeah. to create it. I mean, you still you seem like you get a lot done, but yeah, but I do I it guess. through like my own 
like self brutality. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I do it just through like lack of sleep, which apparently now, if you listen to like Huberman and all these other people, it's really bad for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It turns Amazing. out, yeah, it turns out the Kanye yeah, three out. hours of sleep diet <laughs> makes you say really bad things and get canceled. Yeah, yeah you're a month I'm... from dropping end bombs, <laughs> oh, bro. <man. laughs> you're a mu- and two months from running for president. Like yeah, you're ready yeah, to go. Yeah. You're yeah. I don't, and I think my hood pass yeah. expired since I don't work at uh, rides anymore. I'm you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to avoid that. So, but you do own a donk. I do own a donk. Yeah. Well, technically, the company owns. Doc, which we just shipped to the United Kingdom. It's going to Goodwood Festival of Speed. Yes. How exciting is that? I don't think we're going to ride it up the hill, uh, but very much should. None of us will be there for the running of it, but it's just cool to like be like, oh, that's going to be at the good. Like, Has Goodwood. a donk ever gone to England I before? Doubt it. <laughs> I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. I don't. I I, I don't want to. What is? What is? It's the Duke now. It used to be Lord March, but like, uh, what is he now? I don't know. Is I don't. Not wanna, Lord March anymore. I think he's a duke now, oh. so I, I haven't know how been the ranking attention. system works yeah. over there. But all I want is a photo of him in the car. Like he's just a he's just a great dude, and it would be great to just see that. Just British royalty and a dunk. So we, I mean, I think we need to have our Goodwood here. I mean, oh, don't even get me started. Like, don't even get me started. Why hasn't this been done yet, or has it? And I have. I mean, there are I mean, regional I, car, hill climbs. Well, you're saying because of the hill climb element of it. I was going to say because, like, have you been to Goodwood Festival Speed? No, it's you a need, short. I know. I you need, need to. to go because the hill climb is a part of it. There's also the stage rally. There's like the forest stages mm-hmm. up top, but there's also just like the paddocks and all the cars and everybody who's there. I mean, I would say it's like a bit like car week in some ways um there's a couple people trying like there's like that velocity invitational thing yeah. there's another one that's called hypercar invitational right there there's people that are trying to do it yeah but the fact that it's on this like semi-private property oh yeah I and mean, it's, it's like outside of like you know the permissions of a official racetrack and whatnot. And I, mean, I guess Leadfoot is like the mm-hmm. cool, yeah. like Australia, like that's it's like a New little, Zealand. Yeah, no, like, it's not yeah, exactly yeah, convenient. Yeah, sorry, I almost said Australia. My bad. Apologize. Sorry, Rod New Zealand. Dylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, went to Leadfoot. Zach and I. I haven't been to so Goodwood. Good. We went to Leadfoot. Yeah, so great. I haven't been to Leadfoot. So awesome. that? Yeah, it's awesome. it has. It's so casual. It doesn't really make sense. People are just sitting on the lawn. The only guardrail was like hay bales. Yeah, and you just watch like, you know. Trip like three rotor RX seven go by, and then a rally car, and then a new car, and it's just it has this very approachable attitude to it. But the cars are psychotic, and the road is on someone's driveway. It's amazing. It's pretty. And amazing. everything really about cool. New Zealand is great. Yeah, New I Zealand know. is delightful. Isn't like New Zealand? One of the weird facts is there's like not a single creature there that can kill you. Where like Australia has like all of the creatures that can kill true. you. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. might be true. Yeah, like they it's just, a friendly yeah. neighbor. Yeah. yeah. The most important thing about New Zealand is all engine swaps are legal if they pass a basic safety inspection. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. The opposite, where Australia is pretty gnarly, I think, yeah. all that stuff. And yeah. if you want to import a car into New Zealand, a left-hand drive car, you can only do it if it is a, 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 a special car, mm-hmm. enthusi- only enthusiast cars, only special enthusiast cars that are approved by like a committee. Oh, interesting. So like, you can't bring a Mustang GT, but you could bring a GT500. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you know that there's actually um, there's a smog law that 
if the car is special enough, you can get like a smog exemption. If you can make the argument that the car is rare and needs to be kept on the road for like historical purposes, oh really? You can get around smog for like you know seventy five and up cars. Oh yeah, I, I was really? trying to see if I could convince them that my uh, that my inline five fit? swap nine forty four turbo is uh you know is is good for that <laughs> historical yeah, significance. Historical significance. It's, is it like within the show and display laws? Maybe I, I don't know. I it was one of those weird things. I was trying to find some smog loopholes. I I stumbled on this, and I it just a takes a, it just takes a it's lot. Very yeah, easy. Yeah, me too. You should just do yeah, that. That's what I'm in the process of doing. Yeah, just but, do that. Yeah, the but it's it was, legal, bro. Yeah. I didn't make I mean, the law. Technically, I buy and sell cars. So you it's, do. It's, so do I. Yeah, I have probably a bigger fleet of cars than most dealerships <laughs> do. Like if you go down to Lincoln, that yeah. guy's got like five cars parked <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah, <laughs> my so. inventory is appreciating right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, the uh, yeah, there's apparently like a weird law. Like, but I, uh, from what I've read, it takes a lot to argue it. I'm like, you sure really it does. Gotta, it has to really be like a 911 GT1 or something. Yeah, like that's I think what, what it's built for. Is, yeah, I, I'm sure it's like not built for your yeah. five cylinder swap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sure so by the way, that's actually Ashley's project. But sure, yeah. is it an Audi five cylinder? Yeah, I guess yeah. what other choice o- would it be? O- O7K. Um, that's like which cool. is the like it's basically the RS3 that's like the Daza engine but I'm going to get really nerdy it's it's the same architecture as like the the engine that comes in the RS3 and uh But what is it from? It's not from an RS3. What else is it from? No, like it, it came the inline 5 basically became pretty popular in Volkswagen Audis from like 2005 up. They had like the inline they brought oh, back the yeah. inline 5. They ran them um transverse. So you got to do a bit of stuff to get it to work on the other way, but there's these guys um Boost Brothers that make a kit for it. So Cool. Yeah. It's not running yet, but one day, yeah, one eventually. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all hopes and dreams, bro. <laughs> it's all hopes and dreams. So, yeah. Good dreams, what good about hopes. the coupe? I saw it at SEMA. Oh, aesthetically yeah. finished it looked fire thank you unfortunately it's it's actually in san francisco right now um at my friend nick's and uh he's dealing with the Great tuning on it car. it's it is the definition of um like scope creep yeah Right, I mean, it, I can't even begin. Like the plan was like 500 horsepower, like fun street Audi coupe, and then Pryor started building that kit, and my friend Reuven. Do you know Reuven by any chance? Uh, he's someone. If he's ever back here, he's so he was. Um, man, this is this conversation be all over the place, but he was at Audi, and now he's head of technology. Uh, at Lamborghini, oh, so he's low. chief technology officer or whatever at Lamborghini, right? Sweet. Um, but he goes by Doctor Crazy is like his like <laughs> German okay. German like superhero name, okay. and um, I'm sure you can find him on on Instagram. <laughs> but he's friend. Do you know JP? Yes. Yeah. So he's friends with JP. All so right. like that's his his world. But uh, he knew the guys at Prior. They reached out to me and we're like, hey, if you got if you're gonna launch this car, we'd love to do a kit. And that just like opened up the floodgates. Plus, the deal had just happened with Audi. And Ken said, hey, man, you have to finish that stupid car. Because backstory is when I first met uh, Ken, I already had that Audi. Doctor, Oh, yeah. I've yeah. seen this guy's Instagram. Dr. Crazy Official. Yeah. yeah? So, okay. So um, he also has a great collection of stuff. And that's actually his white. Uh, so that's his white coupe. Oh, yeah. That uh, has the same kit on it. Cool. Um, that's good. 
So anyway, uh, long story short, when I first met Ken, um, he needed to pay me for something and like told me to like set up an LLC. And I was like, bro, I'm fucking 25 years old. Like I could barely pay my taxes, let alone set up an LLC. He's like, well, I don't want to pay you directly because like then you're gonna have to pay a lot of taxes. And I was like, he's like, is there anything you need? I'll just buy you something. I was like, yeah, I need like a turbo for my Audi. So like I've literally had that, and I never actually ordered the turbo because I never figured out what turbo I needed. Like that car just That's sat hilarious. for like 19, 20 years. So when the Audi deal came together, he was like, dude, you have to finish that car. And you're like, you owe me money since yeah. 2000. And he was like, you have to finish that car. He was like, it's now officially a Hoonigan project because he's like, I know you'll only work on it if it's officially a Hoonigan project. Yeah. Like that has to get done. So like once there was that and a little bit of bankroll for it, I just went crazy. And at first it was like Hank Iroz did the engine and built all that. Have you ever talked to Hank? Yeah. He's a good one. Um, and like, you know, he built the engine and then it was like, all right, I'm going to go Cyvex and do this and then like PDM. And like that, once I was pulling the entire chassis harness out of the car, I, I knew at that point, like it was never going to run right. So then SEMA comes and I'm like, I'm just one wire harness away. Anyway, I don't know. At that point, like the story just gets really sad. So the hope is that I actually have the thing running in the next three weeks. Oh. But yeah, but like it's still, it's cranked, but it hasn't fired yet. <laughs> So, but I'm also because of is my. Is it still the original motor fundamentally, or is it a Daza swap? No, no, no that's still a three B, which okay. is basically the older, five the old five cylinder architecture. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a three B, which is like kind of the classic swap. And, and I is want this original five speed. Uh, it is a sequential. Oh, yeah. Wow. That, like I said, oh. bro, scope creep, yeah. man. <laughs> Paddle shift sequential. Really? So yeah. when, you, when you watched Rob Dom race the TTRS. Did you go, can I get that TTRS engine put in this thing? Like, no, because I'll, I'll tell you why. So the, the Daza uh, you know, 07K architecture is a way better engine because it breathes better, and cars that breathe better don't sound as good. And I'm okay with 850 horsepower and sound cars like you were fucking, oh. yeah, it's like faux gras of fucking air. You're just ramming it into the head, and it just makes all these noises. That's why like the 10 valve sounds so good, the original That's Sport Quattro. Yeah. Sounds good because the head didn't breathe that well, and it's just like the turbo's just mashing the air into the head, and it makes all these extra noises. Whoa. Oh, that's interesting. But when the head breathes better, it doesn't, doesn't do the same thing. Okay. So like the 20 valve, like, you know, it breathes better. But then the new 07K, one of the reasons why it's such a great engine is because it breathes great. You can get a lot of air into mm -hmm. the cylinders. It also has that extra row of injectors because, you know, it was... It was it's direct the, and, and yeah port, because it right? was originally because it's half of a Lambo engine right. so it was designed for Lamborghini so it, it it operates different where my engine's the other way around my engine was the original V10 that went into that went into the 04 Gallardo yeah, and threw right, in the garbage right and then and the then engine the, that was so good it made it one year yeah and then they reverse engineered it backwards <laughs> yeah. into the uh, yeah. into the Dazza yeah, so it's yeah. like the head's built to breathe and run a lot of fuel and all of that but. I'll give up a couple hundred horsepower for it to sound good because honestly, if you need more than eight hundred horsepower in a car, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So if that has eight hundred sequential, I mean, that's eight fifty. Like that's that, eight fifty. That will dude, that's be sick. that will be eight fifty on, on drive? low tune, on like base tune. All wheel drive still. Yeah, yeah. All wheel drive. Um, it has. It's basically quattro all the way through, except it's a, it's a dog box with a sequential drive on it. Um, so with pad, well, really with a paddle shift setup. So it's it's still a. It still would be an H pattern system, but it's a. Uh, I'm Jesus. Are I'm, you gonna have diffs and half shafts that are stout enough for like? 
you know, Jim Connors slides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. I mean, the thing is, is that it's got some big ass tire on that car. Yeah, yeah right. it's running a. Put some Blizzaks on. It's got to be like three fifteens rear. No, or something yeah, like that. I think it's three fifteens. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, it's hard to keep track of all the different tires, but uh, yeah, it's it's a big one. Uh, I forget how I even forget how big the wheels are. It's massive, but but that was because the kit was that big. And like once the kit was that big, I was like, well, now I got to turn the power up. Now I got to do this. Now I got to do that. Now I got to yeah. do that. And then I got overwhelmed by it, and I just picked up other project cars. When I had my Fox body and I did all that chassis work to yeah, put all that, that rubber thing. down, it was a great car. Yeah. But once I got all the chassis sorted, I was like. This needs twice the power to with all this fucking rubber here, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Well, it's either thirty grand in engine from here or move on." Yep. And at the time, you know, don't get me wrong, it's a lot of money, but at the time, it was all the money that I didn't even come close to yeah, having. Yeah. And so it was like, just let's just send this, and yeah, I got. You were early it. on the Fox bodies too. I was. I feel like I'm nowadays early. you feel like more I'm of an early investment. on everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so early that people don't realize I'm early until I'm late. That's pretty much how it is. Like, like, uh, like all of a sudden, Audis are cool now, and I'm like, oh shit, I better start buying them up because like they're gonna be cool and they're gonna be too expensive to own. Like, it's crazy to me what RS2s are worth. RS2s are worth. Uh, Doug just did well on his. Yeah, another one just sold for like 105 or something yeah. like that. And um, I love. But they're mine. expensive to fucking fix. But the crazy, th- I know mine's broken again. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I also have an S2 Avant. Which is the same car, and I just sold it. I, I don't know if you know the story, but I, I remember went to you Europe bought- <laughs> and I bought two of the same car, same color. <laughs> I came home. Were there and- any real differences in driving the two? Yeah, I mean, you have an extra hundred horsepower on the RS2, but it's like a chip tune and injectors away of making the S2 that fast. Uh-huh. It has bigger brakes, but like you could spend five grand in aftermarket parts and probably have a better car out of the S2, and eh, maybe eight grand, but like and probably have a better car in the S2. I personally think that the S2 styling is like cooler mm-hmm. like the but the RS2's iconic it's RS2, right it's yeah. whatever um yeah anyway i ended up uh i ended up selling the S2 and i was kind of surprised i thought that there would be like the market would go up for that but like the market for the RS2 almost doubled and the like S2 market went up like 10%. Interesting. Yeah. Because I just think that so many people are attracted to like, oh, Porsche built it. Right? Sure. And, and, and like, oh. Same thing with the Mercedes yeah. 500E. Which was actually built on the same line. Yeah. That and the nine, that and the 959, those were all built at the same line kind of run, you know, obviously. Yeah. But if you've driven a 500E? Yeah. It's extremely underwhelming. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if you like don't give a yeah. shit about the connection, you're like, ah. This is a Mercedes from the 90s. Yeah, my buddy, my buddy Christian Edstrom, who was, um, do you remember Christian? I don't know if you ever crossed paths with him, so. but he was Travis Pastrana's co-driver like back in the like late aughts, and uh, he bought one, and I kind of knew what it was, it was 0 to 60, and he got it in Old Man Tan. Yeah. I was like, dude, that is the most underwhelming car in the most underwhelming color, yeah. and like right now he would win Radwood. Yeah. Like he would just show up and just like whip out like a 12-inch Mercedes cock. I'm yeah. like, this is what this is, guys. This is what I have. Like, But I remember being like, this is the most boring car, and it wasn't yeah. really fast. It like was faster than maybe a 300D, but that's not saying yeah. much. So. The most underrated Mercedes right now. And I know this because we were thinking about doing a giveaway with one. Mm. And our giveaway partner, we, we have a, the partner who has the legal framework yeah, yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He basically told us no. He was like, you're not going to make enough money with this car. But I found three or four 95 to 97 
two-door S-classes. Oh, yeah. 500s, not 600s. Yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. wants the 600, but you really don't. Right, Because right. they're the same. Yeah. they You drive them both with 15% throttle. It doesn't make a difference. You're a V8 or a fucking V12. <laughs> right, right. And the V12 is seven times as much to, to maintain. Is that the one that sounds like a Formula One car? The V12 does. Yeah, if you yeah, put yeah, the right yeah. headers and yeah. shit on it. But um, it's the Zonda engine. Yeah. But, uh, the, but I found three of them with under 25,000 miles. For like ten thousand dollars. So was it? Were you just going to give away all three? Like, here's <laughs> one and two parts cars. Because that I didn't. We were going to that. take that's one. That's my. Yeah, that's, that's just like that. We were going to take one of those, put it on dope <sighs> wheels, slam it on bags, and maintain. You know, do every preventative maintenance possible and yeah. give it away. Is but it weird that when no I see that car, all I could think about is like this girl's hot mom I knew. It's well, I think like, this was like the official. Actually, drove. Oh, really? There's yeah, definitely so. like there was a girl I dated. It was like a light blue, and her hot mom had one of those. It is the official, is the official hot, hot mom, mom of the car 90s. from yeah. 1990s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But with the right wheels. Ooh, oh no! I mean, I love it too because like now, like I feel like that era Mercedes is like a big cars and coffee car. Yeah. Like because you can buy one like relatively inexpensive, put it on a set of like AMGs, like exactly you know, mono blocks, airbags, show up party, ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it looks pretty cool. And yeah. It's like the perfect cars and coffee car. Yeah. So, there. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't outrun like a you know a scooter, but like yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's there. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but they look at the seats. Me. It's just delightful. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Were you a um, big, um, like, a 190 Kazi fan? Like, did you like that car? Um, it, it never really did it for me. I drove one, yeah. and I was not that impressed because they're not that quick. I'm also not a huge E30 M3 fan, even though it's mm. like I prefer the M5 of that era, the E28 M5, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got more a little more power, a little more torque. Yeah. I like a... I like a a six-cylinder Mercedes and uh-huh. a six-cylinder BMW better than the four-cylinders. I got Did to, you see the Evo 2 we have here? We have I a did. 190 Evo 2 here. Oh, yeah. I got to drive one. Um, it was Evo 1. I got to drive one. Uh, one of those guys in Manhattan? Is it Manhattan Motor Classic no, Car Classic Club? Classic Car Club. Yeah. I got one from Classic Car Club. And I always thought the car looked cool, but I actually really enjoyed driving it. Like, it was, I was rather impressed, considering I was, like, swapping seats with that in a 458, so it was, like, a little different, you yeah, know? Yeah. But uh, No, they're, I, they're I was, all right. I was, I was pretty into it, yeah. I'd like to have another go in one. This was 15 years ago, so yeah, I'd like yeah. to have another another real go in one. Yeah. I drove today. a really good replica of one, and I was really impressed with handling steering for all of it. It was like, oh, this is a nimble Did thing. it have the uh, dog good. leg in it? No, it had the regular transmission, which I know is an element of it, but it basically yeah. like turned, went, and stopped. Like the really yeah, it's a sick it element really of good. driving in traffic in New York and keep being like, what, am I, what gear am I in? <laughs> <laughs> you got to recalibrate. Yeah, like, I have two right dog down. leg cars, and it takes yeah. some, it takes some getting yeah. used to. Although once you get into it, it's all right. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming, dude. Damn, good man. show. How, how long does the show? It's go? Two and a half hours. Two. Yeah. yeah. What's the longest show you guys have ever done? Three and change with yeah. Bert Kreischer. Oh wow, Bert what's, Kreischer. What's he like? Fucking great. By the way, I don't. Do, <laughs> He's do, do you see a resemblance between me and him? Uh, if you grew your beard out a little more, you don't. I get I, like really. I get so many comments really? on YouTube that I look like him. So like at some point, I feel like I just need to do something with him just to like appease my audience to be like, it's me and Bert in the same room. We're not. You'd the same probably person. get along. He's a fucking sweetheart. Yeah, I'll, a great dude. He's he's doing that movie on uh on the, the machine. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I saw that the trailer looks yeah, incredible. Yeah, no, I've I've always I've always loved him as a comic. He's hilarious. But like that, the machine one is like it's. 
been around forever. That like that that, that bit. bit. That's bit. like his and his it's original. So rad bit. to see like oh yeah like that's such a great idea like yeah. to IP that into like yeah. this because it's yeah. the craziest story. Yeah, it's the craziest yeah. story. Why, why it's, it be a movie? it's so good. He's it's so he does good. he's doing arenas now. Zach and I saw him at an arena like two months ago. Yeah, it was he. De- he destroyed. I just saw like a little thing where he was playing at Live Golf and he like took his <laughs> shirt off. I was like, oh, oh yeah, you have to, you have to. That's like that's your thing. What what's he into car wise? Like what's his? He doesn't really give a shit about cars. Oh okay. Um, so you just had him on just to have him on. I, him and Tom Segura have yeah, had yeah. this escalating birthday present yeah, yeah. thing that's gotten way out of hand. Right. And so last year he wanted to buy Tom a race car. And so Joe Rogan yeah. told him, if you want to buy a race car, you need to call Matt Farah. And so he got a hold of me and to figure out what to buy. And then I asked him, you know, when you're in L.A., can you can you come do the show? And we didn't we didn't even talk about cars for very much other than talking about the race car for 15 minutes. But it was a fucking amazing three hours. Of yeah, radio. I can imagine. It was so imagine. fun. Um, and he bought Tom a spec E46 race car for his birthday. I, yeah, I remember that because I remember seeing that one. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, cool. like, was it blue or something? Or? Uh, it's blue now. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what the original color yeah, was, yeah, but yeah. it's blue now. Yeah, I remember yeah, seeing two that. Two bears yeah. racing. That'll never fucking happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, at some point, I'd like to come back and try to set the world record for the longest show here. Only because when the Pearson did their show, they told me like at the beginning, like, oh, the longest show ever was like three hours. And I was oh, like, Psh. okay. You All right, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. Snacks. You don't need to eat. We need snacks. Oh, I haven't eaten at all today, That's so wild. like you know, start to fade out. We anyway, need snacks, but, caffeine, and possibly alcohol, yeah. and then we can. Yeah. Let's do it. I do. By the way, I want to point out a bottle of bourbon with Bert. Oh yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. yeah so I don't know how long I'll last after that, or if that I just cancel myself. Yeah. Just <laughs> all the filters gone. At I don't that even point. like cars. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, that would be the least of the things I could say. <laughs> just start saying all the things yeah. I know of other people. If I knew that was the goal, I would have pushed you my would've... wife's birthday dinner reservation a little bit. <laughs> As it is. Happy birthday, Hannah. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, um, but we will. We can plan for... I'm, I'm going to just answer one last thing for you. This is where like, you guys are trying to wrap me up. But no, I didn't, no. you didn't actually say what was next for Hoonigan. I got to like the whole meeting. <laughs> I'm going to keep coming back around to that. That's if the you have here. an answer to I'm that question. Answer so I think we just sat there and we figured, okay, we want to do stuff we all want to do. And we kind of actually stopped. We realized that like we didn't really, as a group, enjoy some of the, like the really big cars we were building. Mm. Like the like we loved the Honda Ridgeline project. It was super fun. You just saw it at Long so Beach. Cool. Yeah. It was cool as shit. Oh my yeah. god! And it was super well, yeah. fun. But why like, is there no handbrake in that car? Well, because it's not really what it's built to do, right? <laughs> but it was this weird thing where like all of us like we enjoy the project and we love the guys at Honda are great and they're super fun to work with but we were all really got kind of removed from it like the core people who were like you know mm-hmm. usually on camera and it became this thing where like it was about building this car that then like really wasn't a part of our storyline and like we're going to go do some really cool shit with it this year so maybe that's not the best car to choose cuz actually you know what's a better one we built a Camaro that we put a Duramax engine in because actually, as I started thinking about the Honda Ridgeline, I'm like, actually, the Honda Ridgeline is super rad. Not and, like, the, I really the enjoy Rock? Not with the, no, 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 had the no, big block no. in we it? No, we built, a, I want to say, a Gen 5 Camaro. I think it's Gen 5 Camaro. And like we a put, 2010 Camaro? Yeah, we yeah. put a Doramax oh, in it. Oh. Okay. And uh, we, um, the reality was, was like, we built it because it was an internet car. Like, yeah. we built it because doing weird swaps and things unexpected. And most of us realized that we just really did not. Yeah, there it is. And like, we didn't really want to build this car. Like no one really had a passion around it. Mm -hmm. And it really started to become like a job, like 
Dan didn't want to work on it. He didn't have an interest in it. Like we built it to be a land speed car, literally because we were just trying to do something different. Because like mm-hmm. we felt like everyone was building drift cars, everyone was building this. Like oh, let's just do something different. And I think that really changed the tone of a lot of stuff at Hoonigan, where like people weren't enjoying it. So this year we kind of sat back, we got everybody in the room, and we said, okay, what does everyone want to do this year? Like what do you guys want to build? And I was like, oh, well, I want to work on this. I want to work on this. And I was like, okay, cool. Everyone, we're going to go back to like kind of personal projects instead of it being like company projects. Because at the end of the day, everyone's like more invested in like yeah. building their own stuff, like yeah. than building the company stuff, right? And you compete with other people in the vlog world, and like that's what they're doing. Like they're building their own cars. And on Hoonigan, we were like, we were doing that, but then we started like building these bigger projects, and and they were fun. Like that Rolls Royce we built is is sick. It's that thing's a hoot to drive, and like so much fun. You know, we built a yeah, yeah. powered Rolls. Yeah, right. It's and cool then, as fuck on yeah, a Morrison and chassis. Or something. Yeah, it's on a Morrison yeah. chassis, and like that was super cool. So on, so on. But we now are like, all right, well, hey, we're gonna do, we're gonna build our own stuff. And then the other thing we thought about, because we're like, hey, we want to something around Ken and uh, Jim Connor Grid, which is like the actual racing series, like the head-to-head racing series, had been operating in Europe for the past decade, but like we just weren't, we knew it was a bigger lift to make it happen here, and I think all of us decided like, all of us want to compete in it, Yeah. so we're all going to build cars to compete in it, and then we're also going to like invite people like you to come compete in it, and you to come compete in it, and make it this thing that we'd build back in the US with the idea that like, what I don't wanna have happen for Ken's legacy is like, you know, 10 or 15 years go by, and people are like, I don't know, I can't, where can you even find a Gymkhana film, like now mm-hmm. that we don't use YouTube, right? Like, it sounds crazy, but you know, we don't use right. DVDs anymore, or laser mm-hmm. discs, right? And it's like, and also to just have it be this blip of a moment that disappears, where like, if we can, take the series and bring the series back to be here and basically it's it's drifting meets drag racing right it's like drifting against the clock right like it, it removes the judging element from it and build that and then maybe you know the new Gymkhana stars kind of build out of that series right because the reality is like when you look around and you say who could be in the next Gymkhana film the list is really short right yeah. Travis Pastrana obviously is already in it but there's not a lot of people who've like built that as a discipline that sure, they've like perfected true. right it's it's a very small window it's mostly guys in rallycross right like that's the window but like you want to build that bigger thing so we we decided like you know Hoonigan was kind of known for like we just did everything like it got to the point where it was like just well, I'll just boil the sea we'll figure it out <laughs> And we're like, you know what, let's be really focused this year. Like, let's do the projects we want to do, Let's and then let's really focus on, um, you know, taking Jim Connor grid and kind of do that. So, like, it's been rad because we're all going to, at least most of us are going to compete in it on some level. So, like, I'm building, uh, I'm building a Toyota Corolla A86 with a VR6 engine in it because I had to be See, different. That's and, I had so to be, and I had to be difficult with myself. I couldn't just make something easy. Ron's building his Evo that he's been building forever. Vinny's got a LS M3 that he's building. And, like, we're, you know, I'm sure Gary will end up running his Skyline. Like, we're all putting, you know, Hurdle has one of his many cars will show up for it. But, like, we're all putting these projects together to, to go do this and kind of just be, like, more focused. And yeah. I think that was, like, the thing we learned in the end of, like, it all was like, hey, this is going to continue. We need to focus on something that makes us happy because Ken was hyper focused on what made him happy. Like he liked being in a rally car and going and you know doing stage rally, and he liked snowboarding and snowmobiling and mountain biking and motocross and wake you know wakeboarding, all these things. And like that was the stuff that like he focused building his life around not only doing that stuff but getting paid to do yeah, it. Yeah. Right. The, and the I, Mountain Lab story from the bomb the bomb yeah. podcast I listened to. I was like. 
you know, what a great thing to do with your money and your company and everything. But it's like, well, wouldn't this be fun? Yeah. And it's a great opportunity to make content. Yeah. And for the writers, like, genius. Yeah. And it's like this cliche thing where people are like, oh, well, you know, you do something you're passionate about and it's like not work anymore. And it's really easy to get off that path. Like, it's really easy because you start chasing views, you start chasing different clientele, you know, sponsors, whatever, or you look at what everyone else is doing in YouTube and you're like, oh, well, we'll shift and do this Mm -hmm. a little differently. And I think it was this moment of us being like, man, we just need to go back to like being what we want to be, but also like, like also just be willing to experiment to like go do new stuff. And that was like the conversation I was had. And it was interesting because like once we had that, I think everybody in the room was like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this makes sense. This is like what we want to do, and like it's more fun to be on set again, and like do all that Got stuff together. And yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's kind of the future forward. And obviously, you know, there's a lot going on with, you know, Leah Block and and Lucy, and you know, and like the stuff with them. And you know, the goal would be to keep Jim Connor going. I would be. I I know Ken would be bummed to just be like, oh yeah, now it's just over, right? I mean, we obviously gave the torch to Travis, you know, while Ken was here because he knew that, like, his date, he was kind of done with it, right? Like, he done, he, we made 10 of them, yeah. right? And we made Electricana, Climbcana, Terracana, all these other things. Like, he wanted to see that thing continue and Hoonigan to continue. I mean, you know, so that was really the focus. I mean, on day two, you know, after he passed, I was sitting there with Ron, and I was like, yo, you know he'd be super pissed with us right now that, like, we weren't, like, you know, working right now and taking <laughs> and like and taking this, like, this horrible tragedy and, like, turning it into an opportunity. Yeah, Cause, like, coffin that's, Kana. Because that's, yeah, like, that's, like, how, that's, like, how his head works. You know, mm-hmm. like he just would be like, yeah, just fucking. All right, what do you do with it? Like, yeah. we broke that. Like, okay, now fix that, right? So, anyway, I mean, that's to answer it because otherwise, if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, oh, I've been here for two and a half hours, and he talked about a bunch of shitty no. Audis, weird swaps, and like all this other stuff, but didn't get to like the actual answer. Well, I'm, that. well I'm that's glad you're- that's the most Hoonigan answer ever. Yeah. What? <laughs> that's yeah. What happened. We're gonna. Well, that's that's what that's what happened. It's like oh, I watched seven Talks episodes about of this, and shit. they never raced the diesel Camaro. <laughs> right. Fuck these guys. Yeah. That being said. I think I'm going to stick that engine. I bought an F600, like a 1970s F600 that's laid out. I think I'm going to put that engine in the F600. Yeah. That'd be wild. Yeah. Or you could land speed that car and then put the engine in. Or you could actually. Uh, I think ready. all of us realize that's not how you we want to die. Like, you know, like, there's like, it's not that I'm like, I, there's things I do that definitely death is a possibility. That's just not the it. That's how not, much power that's not how I want to do it. A thousand. Yeah, that's too much. Okay. It's I, was, just, I was like, I'll raise my hand, but that's I probably just, like a three hundred mile per hour car. Yeah, not, no, it's no it should be like I think it's I think like with the gearing and the power, it should be like two sixty five. Yeah. I, I have no interest in Lance, and I don't at think all. you guys have an aerodynamic. I did two fifteen so. in a Jetta at Bonneville. What I did? There's a photo of it in my office. How do I not know this? I don't know. What kind of Jetta? Just a fucking Jetta with a big ass built motor, a big turbo. Really? It had a parachute and a cage and all kinds of shit. Did, did, like when you did it, were you like, wow, this is awesome? Or were you like, well, I did it, check. No, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Like it was, it was, uh, yeah, there it is. I wrote <laughs> the, uh, the headline I wrote in track, the most dramatic part of doing 211 in a Jetta is the lack of drama. But yeah, yeah pulling a shoot is fun. Yeah. I recommend that. I did like the fastest that I've ever, I've been like 190. Like, yeah. On like Autobahn. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty good. Like the difference between 170 and 190 didn't really feel like anything. At, yeah. at Bonneville, it's, it feels like nothing until you no cross reference. about 180. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you start to go, 
I'm going kind of quick now. Yeah. But like 150, on, forget it. Yeah. It's like, whatever. I, I did 185 in the RS2 on a downhill in Arizona. It's statute of limitations are over by now. And uh, I felt the back at light. And I yeah. was like, oh. That's really fast oh, in that car. Oh, boy. Like, that's what Arrow's for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Sketchy. Anyway, I well, we'll go for the record next time. Yeah, yeah, when yeah, I don't yeah, have a birthday next dinner. Time, next time. Sorry, so, I didn't. Well, if the, I, hate, I always hate to cut off a show for any reason, but I did not expect to go 2.5. Really? Today. You know me, bro. I go and go I thought and we talk. would I thought we would do two. I didn't know we'd go two point five or that you had a secret goal of going. I didn't even realize the show had started. Yeah. I was like, oh, we're just doing well, that's a warm part up. Of our stealth move. Yeah, that's how boom, we get no natural. We're into it. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. I think you need to eat dinner. I'm probably just delirious at this point. Yeah. I need to get, get myself up. You have breakfast yeah. at 5.45. Is, Roost, is yeah. Rooster still here? Can I still get one of those uh you know Rooster the the truck on Abbott Kinney with the bomb? Uh, breakfast burritos is that still there? Uh, not. This is me not, not living normally. in Venice for yeah, ten years. Not normally. Mm, no, well. but there's good food around. Anyway, all right, all right. Brian Scotto. See you. Uh, we're back tomorrow with my boy Josh Altman to have a really wild contrast to this show. You're talking <laughs> about interest rates. <laughs> yeah, uh, Josh Altman is the biggest real estate agent in LA. Who's a friend of mine. Oh, and uh, exciting. Yeah, I know. Does he think interest rates are going to go down? Because I'm doing a deferred payment right now on my You'll new house. You'll have to listen to the next, <laughs> uh, the next episode to find out. We'll see you guys later. Bye.